This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content. Coming up on nine minutes past nine and with inflation at almost 10%, 9.6% and rising, I'm joined uh, before and in place of our newspaper review, which we'll do a little later on, by the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath. Good morning, Ms. Minister. Hi, Mick. Good morning to you. Okay. Uh, now, generally, we know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about hard-pressed people. And we are going to talk about the new economic package extra to the budget of $6.7 sure. billion. I've already been accused by text, however, of supplying you with a prepared list of questions. Can you confirm that's not the truth? Uh, I can confirm that that's not the truth. Okay. I'm happy to take any question you want to put to me. All next. right, let's get into it. Uh, I've been given 15 minutes. If you can extend that, uh, please let me know if you have to go. But if you can okay. extend it, I'd be more than grateful. Okay, sure. yeah, you've, you've found massive immediate support for the COVID pandemic. Why not now? Why September end? Well, it's our judgment that people will most need the help uh, come the autumn. That's when energy bills are going to rise again because people will be consuming more energy. And also we know that rates are unfortunately uh, going to rise again. We've heard the recent Electric Ireland announcement um, that kicks in in August. So that will affect bills coming through in September and October. And we acknowledge that um, it is a really difficult time for many people at the moment with the level of inflation. We've already made... Um, a number of interventions outside of the normal budgetary process um, so including the last budget and since we've brought in almost two and a half billion euro worth of measures um, including you know reduction of VAT on electricity and gas reduction in excise uh, on fuel even though the, the rate is still so all high, gobbled up by price increases charged. though all gobbled up yeah and uh, yeah look I, I accept that um, and I, I suppose we also have being honest with people, uh, make that we are in a truly exceptional situation. This is a global phenomenon. Um, Ireland's inflation rate, as you say, the latest estimate is 9.6%. Most countries in the Eurozone have an even higher rate than Ireland. So all countries are grappling with um, uh, the fallout from, first of all, the pandemic, and now uh, that has been greatly compounded by the war in Ukraine and the impact that that has had on global supply chain, on energy security. Um, but most countries in the European, in, in the in the eurozone, minister, are not the second most expensive country to live in in the first place. Um, yeah, but you also have to look at the other side of that equation, which is uh, income levels and uh, income levels in Ireland in general. And I know not for every individual, uh, but they are higher than most other other European countries as well. Um, so yeah, we do have high costs in Ireland, um, but we do also have generally higher incomes in Ireland than other countries. But there's no denying the gravity of the situation at the moment. Uh, and, uh, you know, we... We're experiencing a level of inflation we haven't seen for 40 years. And um, we have responded uh, with a whole series of measures on both tax and expenditure, including additional fuel allowance payments and the electricity credit went to every household, uh, a reduction in public transport fares for everyone, drugs payment scheme reduction thresholds and so on. It could go on and list out all of the issues, but I know you don't want that because you're worried about what's next and how can we uh, provide further help to people. And I mean, the good news is that the economy isn't good health. We're almost
almost at full employment really the rebound uh, coming out of COVID has been extraordinary um, and I think the fact that we did extend a lot of support to households and to businesses um, has been vindicated as the correct approach and we're seeing uh, the benefits of that now come through into tax returns not just corporation tax which is buoyant but also income tax and VAT and across uh, a number of other uh, revenue streams and that gives us the resources now uh, to do much more for people and so in in simple terms what we have committed to is a budget for next year uh, of 6.7 billion euro Uh, some of that will be used this year but the bulk of it will be next year but in addition to that uh, we have committed to bringing forward a set of measures in September um, that will be one off in nature um, but which will kick in this year Uh, and that is in addition to the overall budget package we haven't um, confirmed how much money we're going to provide available uh, as part of that extra package we'll make that decision in September but I think it does need to be substantial Uh, we need to use it um, generally in a targeted way uh, to those most in need uh, but also there will need to be a broader application because there are a lot of people who are working and who are struggling too um, and the squeeze middle uh, and we recognise that so there will need to be a set of broader measures as well as very targeted measures for those who are, are who are most feeling the pain at the moment. Okay, so you've got surprisingly strong tax takes. That's that's probably because yeah. there's a boon uh, from what's been a very successful foreign direct investment program. So all of these um, huge companies are giving you this boon. This allows you to respond generously to the inflation crisis. Why are you responding so slowly and so modestly? Well, we also have to be careful because the uh, corporation tax receipts are particularly buoyant, but you know there have been consistent warnings about uh, the reliability of those receipts into, into the medium and long term. And the concern would be that if you were to build up permanent expenditure commitments that uh, repeat every year on the back of uh, revenue receipts that could prove to be temporary, then if those revenue receipts fall away, then you're left with a big gap and a very large deficit. So we do have to be careful but um, in particular we will be able to use uh, some of those extra receipts for the one-off measures uh, later this year and that is what we're committing to doing Um, it is a good thing that we are running a surplus at the moment because that gives us um, the capacity and uh, the money that we need uh, to help people and we have committed to going further than we have gone to date and um, my own department now is, is doing a lot of work on all of those options and one of the key Considerations for me is that whatever we decide to do, we have to be able to implement it quickly um, because people will need to, to see the benefits of the extra money um, in the coming months. Okay, 2.7 billion in extra packages. Uh, fiscal prudence declared last year that you would you would say 5% would be the limit that you would go up in a, in a budget increase in spending. It's going to be 6.5%. Uh, do you think that's enough to respond to the calamitous situation many people find themselves in. I mean, John and Mary Voter aren't, aren't looking at the, the billions and billions that have been promised. Yeah. They're, they're, they're looking at their electricity bill went up by 23.4% in March. Their gas by 24. Now it's going up by another 11%, the electric, and the gas by another 30. How can they keep up? Yeah, look, and, and, and that is 
the, the, the brass tax when you bring it down to, you know, the John and the Marys out there. And look, uh, I'm elected by ordinary people. I meet ordinary people every day in the course of my work. And um, I, I do appreciate the, the genuine struggle that a lot of people are facing at the moment. Um, there is a limit to what government can do. And, uh, you know, it would be easy for me to come on and, and promise the sun, moon and stars that we can fully offset the impact of this level of inflation. Um, but we can't, um, but we can help. And I think we can make a difference. And uh, we have, as I say, made you know, a number of decisions so far, um, up to two and a half billion euro that I think have helped people. Haven't gone far enough for many. I acknowledge that. Uh, but there is now a willingness and an ability, thankfully, because the, the money is there uh, to do more. And uh, we will now work on those options in the coming weeks and bring them forward uh, in September. Um, but we just have to acknowledge the reality, Mick, that the world has changed because of this terrible, terrible war in Ukraine. Uh, we were experiencing rising inflation prior to the war in February but it has gone to an entirely new level in particular around energy security and just the supply of goods has been impacted in particular around Europe. Um, we will see a food crisis in parts of the world. Unfortunately, we are going to see famine in parts of the world. Um, we're not going to be short of any supplies in Ireland, um, but we are experiencing price increases. So We could be short of electricity, Minister. If, if, if a country with which we have frosty relations at the moment to, to make the best of it, the UK, uh, turn off our gas supply... Uh, we, we're not going to have, if the wind doesn't blow, we won't have enough electricity uh, to avoid power cuts. And we are bringing in additional temporary electricity generation capacity because energy security is absolutely fundamental for our society and for our economy and making sure um, that our households and our businesses have uh, continuity of supply and uh, we do not see a significant risk uh, to Ireland's um, supply of electricity um, but we do have to take steps to ensure uh, that we have sufficient backup generation and then that we in tandem with that make the strategic move to uh, renewable sources of energy and in particular offshore, um, offshore wind where we see a great opportunity off the Cork coast and you'll be aware of a number of companies that have partnered with major international uh, corporations now to um, explore the potential that is there and uh, we're taking a lot of steps as a government to put in place the proper system. We've modernised the whole regulatory and licensing system and we do see in the coming years the, the opportunity for Ireland to eventually become a net exporter of energy. You'll be aware of the Celtic interconnector which will go from East Cork to France uh, recently received approval and that will get underway uh, in, in the next uh, number of months uh, and that will help again to strengthen um, the diversity of supply that we have and ultimately pr provide a gateway to Ireland exporting energy to Europe but we have work to do before we get to that. That's point. a long way off. I'm going to quote Don Moore from the, from the Sunday Business Post to ex-ESB International warning about a disastrous winter situation if Britain cuts off our supply from Scotland. We're the only country in Europe with a coastline that doesn't have a liquefied natural gas import facility, apparently because of Eamon Ryan. And uh, this was from the Sunday Business Post. Recently, with his idiotic ideology, Ryan stated the energy from the country's future offshore wind farms off the south and west coast could be converted into hydrogen. That's 20 years away. 
Yeah, hydrogen is, is a developing um, uh, source of renewable energy and I think most countries still have some way to go to fully uh, explore and develop the potential of it in relation to gas. We get about 25 to 30% of um, our gas from the Carib um, uh, on the island of Ireland and the balance does come uh, through interconnectors with the UK at the moment. Uh, we're not dependent on uh, Russian gas um, but of course if they, as they already have done in some cases, reduce or cut supply to other countries in Europe, then that puts pressure on supply generally and we then have to compete with other countries for a limited supply. And so that is why we are seeing uh, the price unfortunately rise so much. It is because of energy security concerns and you're seeing countries now throughout Europe uh, completely changing their strategy around energy and recognising that they are going to have to become energy independent. Um, we're already on that journey uh, and you know, at any given time now about 40% or so of our electricity in Ireland is generated from renewable sources um, especially onshore wind and we expect that to double in the next number of years to 80% and offshore wind will play a role in that as well um, but there's no getting away from the fact energy security has now come centre stage uh, because of the war in Ukraine and Europe's dependence generally on Russian oil and Russian gas. Uh, Ireland doesn't have that direct dependence um, but of course you know when such a large supplier um, changes its, its approach in providing supply and cuts uh, or reduces its supply, that has an impact on everyone. All right. That's why prices are rising. Uh, Minister, I have to hand it to you and, and your colleague Pascal Donoghue. Uh, as, as, as interviewees, it's almost impossible to stick one on you. Uh, you're, you're like the Teflon Dons, but you're very well prepared. Let me give you a long litany of, of, of things while you catch your breath of what it's like to live in Ireland at the moment. From uh, These are from our texts that come in. Childcare costs through the roof. House prices soaring. Hotels, you need a mortgage to stay in one. Another mortgage. Our health service, it's a runaway train heading at speed into the winter buffers despite $21 billion being a put aside in last year's budget for it. Homelessness at epic proportions, house rent astronomical, petrol and diesel skyrocketing, delivery costs spiralling, coal now at 45 euros a bag uh, or will be there by Christmas or 50 euros a bag. Our fishing fleet is all but tied up. Uh, You're excluding carers from claiming the fuel allowance. We're importing turf by road. Domestic crude oil peaked at $145 a barrel uh, 14 years ago in 2008. It closed yesterday at $118, almost $30 less. Uh, Why is the gas at the pump uh, at all-time highs? Now is the winter of our discontent, Minister Michael McGrath. Uh, By what metric can can you declare this government in any way being successful so far? Yeah, I think, make that Ireland's a very good place to live. And I think anyone who has travelled around the world or anyone who observes the international news will recognise that Ireland is a very good place. And when I look at quality of life generally that we have uh, in Cork and around our country, when you look at metrics such as life expectancy, Ireland now has the longest life expectancy uh, in Europe. Uh, and notwithstanding the problems in our healthcare system, of which there are many, uh, health outcomes have improved dramatically in Ireland uh, in recent years. I mean, look, we could go into each of the issues that you touched on there. I've heard the one about the barrel of oil an awful lot, about why it was higher before, and yet 
fuel prices are higher now than it was then. There are other factors. The exchange rate is one. I mean, oil, for example, is priced in dollars. Uh, at the moment, the dollar is very strong relative to the euro, and that, uh, unfortunately, uh, works against us at the moment in relation to the price of the pumps, and you have issues around wholesale prices and so on. Um, we have come through COVID in good shape, and when you look at the international um, benchmarking of different countries, um, Ireland fared very well, uh, thankfully, in relation to excess mortality. I think we looked after our, our people generally quite well, our businesses and our households, and that was proven to be the right um, course of action. We're seeing that in the way the economy has come back. What we're experiencing now is uh, a global phenomenon, unfortunately. Um, but the, the, the good news is that you know we're in a strong enough position now to come through this and to be able to help people when they most need it and uh, our commitment is that we are going to go much further and we've spoken about the overall budget package and what I'm working on separate to that uh, is is the uh, package of one-off items uh, that we think will make a real difference for people in the autumn Uh, so I know it's really difficult and I don't have all the answers no government does all over the world you know if you saw the UK news yesterday you would have seen um, go slow protests in the motorways people you know protesting at fuel prices Uh, if you drive up to Northern Ireland you see fuel prices uh, that are higher than ours when you take account of, of the exchange rate so this is difficult across the board um, but we're, we're trying our best um, to bring the country through it while ensuring we don't do any uh, long term damage uh, to the competitiveness of our economy uh, and to our ability to manage our finances responsibly. Okay, how are we for time Minister? Keep going Mick, you, uh, another, another 5 to 10 minutes if, okay. if, if you have it. That, no, I have it <laughs> I can stay here all day talking about this because I'm not even going to get through the questions that we've been asked to ask you. I'll be asking okay. you rhetorically in your absence later on. Why not index link the income tax bans now and give people more immediate relief? Uh, So we have a commitment in the Programme for Government uh, that we will index link uh, the the, the band, the income tax band, that's the point at which you enter the higher rate of tax, and also tax credits uh, in line with with earnings growth. And so we did in the last budget increase credits and we increased the entry point to the higher rate of tax. Um, It's still quite low in international terms. It's uh, under €37,000. And at that point then, any additional euro you earn, uh, you pay the margin rate of 40% income tax plus PRSI plus USC. So in essence, you're handing over 50 cent of every additional euro that you earn beyond 36,800 euro as an individual. And uh, we are going to make a further move on that uh, in the budget. Uh, the, the commitment, as I said, is to index link to earnings. And that's why there is an overall package there of a billion euro out of the 6.7 uh, that is for tax. And now some of it will be needed if it decision is made to extend the reduction in excise and the reduction of VAT on, on energy bills um, but the balance can be used then for changes to our income tax system uh, to help people who are working who are you know on modest incomes but paying a very high rate of tax now there isn't agreement across the political system I think it's only the government parties uh, believe that that's the right thing to do it seems no one else in the doll believes that, 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 that there should be a change in that but, but I do believe there should be and there will be Okay, what's been very quiet around here are the unions. We've seen Mick Lynch in the UK uh, speaking truth to power, as it were, and putting the government and the media under pressure. Why are the unions so quiet here? 
Well, look, the, the unions can, can speak for themselves, uh, Mick. Uh, I am in discussions with them in relation to public service pay. Uh, we have an agreement at the moment uh, that lasts to the end of this year, but it clearly needs to be updated uh, because of the level of inflation. Um, it essentially provided for um, wage increases of about 3% over two years, uh, though a higher rate of up to 5% uh, for lower-paid public servants. And uh, the unions, uh, as is their right, triggered a review view of that agreement because um, the underlying assumption at the time that it was uh, framed was of a low inflation environment and uh, you know the kind of environment we're now in so um, we did have talks there at the Workplace Relations Commission, there wasn't agreement but I do hope that we can uh, re-engage and re-enter discussions in the next couple of weeks and I'd like to get an agreement done this month if possible but we are seeing wage deals um, being agreed across the private sector, Um, you know they get reported all the time in the media and uh, the unions are doing uh, their job in representing their members to get the best deal they possibly can uh, when it comes to the public purse. Like I, I am, uh, and we are as a government, the employer of about 365,000 people. We have to be fair to them. Living standards are under pressure for them as well. But we also have to have an eye on the bigger picture and make sure that the overall management of, of the public purse um, is done prudently and uh, that any deal is affordable and, and uh, hopefully we can achieve that in the next few weeks. Okay, the pay levels of the upper echelons of the, uh, the civil service are, are, are probably something we to fill a whole show on anyway. Uh, you might think this is a little unfair of me, Michael McGrath, Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, but on the issue of speaking truth to power, uh, and I don't want to doorstep you anyway, but I think it's important notionally that we do this. Uh, last month we spoke to Michelle, who spent 18 months living in and out of her car. When she spoke to us, she'd been spending the previous three weeks living in a Renault Clio. This is the real effect of the cost of living uh, on people. And just for the noble notion of letting the more powerless be heard by the powerful, our most powerful, uh, I'm going to just play Michelle's interview for you here. Just a short clip. Sure. So you're very down, though, the likes of your good self for sleeping in a car for 19 months. Um, you do, yeah. Lonely? Um, definitely, yep. Yeah. It's it's hard because that's one of the biggest problems is how will I possibly? Sometimes your day is organised around if you have some type of appointment, you know. So so you just have to kind of ride it out. You just have to wait for it to pass. It takes a lot of effort as well to continuously ring your contacts. So at the moment, I would be very isolated and not in contact with friends and family because it becomes too difficult. Because you're bringing all of this onto other people. You mean you don't want to worry them, is it? Yeah, it comes to the point where you don't want to worry them because a lot of them know that you have no options. Like, what are you going to do? Nothing is going to change. Michelle is an exception, Minister, uh, granted, but that, that is some people's reality. Are Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael on the Greens, and can you promise, are you going to do enough? Well, I'm very sorry to hear um, that story, and uh, I, I don't know the full background, but I'm more than happy to, to try to help Michelle. There's no need for anyone to be sleeping in a car, uh, and certainly sleeping in a car for that length of time is is not acceptable in, in a decent society. And um, and you know that that offer is there. Um, if you want to put me in touch with Michelle, Mick, I'll certainly look into her her situation and see how we can help. I mean, what it does underline is the fact. Look, we do have a very serious um, uh, housing situation, and we are, as a result, 
um, building a record number of public homes now. Uh, we'll have about 12,000 additional public homes added uh, to the housing stock this year, about 9,000 direct bills, more than we ever have had before. We'll have the new affordable housing scheme going launch, sorry, going live uh, this month, and we're now seeing cost rental homes being built, for example, at Lancaster Gate uh, in the city. So, um, 160,000 uh, homes, uh, Minister McGrath, were, were deemed by the CSO to be vacant, and let's, let's say people were away for the evening. Uh, there were 50,000 homes vacant in the last two censuses together. Why aren't we working on those? Uh, we, we are, and we are using the data we've collected there from the recent local property tax returns to get a proper picture of uh, vacant stock in Ireland. And it is a complicated one. In many cases, there are reasons why properties are vacant. Um, they might be caught up in legal disputes and title disputes. They might be caught up in probate. Uh, there can be individual reasons why properties um, are vacant, um, but the government has committed to the introduction of a vacant homes tax. Uh, with a view to um, bringing that stock back into active use and uh, you'll be hearing much more about that in the coming months but uh, you know at a time when we have such a a shortage of accommodation we can't afford to have houses uh, vacant for no reason so we are we are going to address that. Okay nearly there I know you have another meeting Mick we're two pensioners who have oil heating only in our home a refill was 600 euros last year it's now 1490 how does the minister expect us to be able to heat our home? this winter. Yeah, and look, that, and I don't know the, the, the full uh, details of, of the two pensioners, but that's why we did um, give two additional payments of the fuel allowance, two bullet payments, um, totaling I think about 225 plus a weekly increase in the fuel allowance rate as well. And we have announced a major retrofitting package to try and help people to make that transition uh, to uh, you know low, low consumption and low carbon sources of energy. So we have to the SEI now grants of up to 80% uh, for many retrofitting solutions and for deep retrofitting uh, up to 50%. Now the waiting times are too long and that is what we need to address, that under the warm warm home scheme people on fixed incomes are are currently waiting too long because there's a lack of capacity in the private sector uh, to deliver on um, the the amount of resources that are being made available now from the public purse. So that ultimately is the solution for those two pensioners because like, we can't give any guarantee making the long term about what oil prices are going to be if we are dependent on the importation of oil from uh, you know countries abroad we can't dictate what the price of that is so ultimately the solution for that couple and for others is to reduce and ultimately remove our dependence on fossil fuels and move to uh, renewable sources and, uh, well, and me- meanwhile we're, we're importing we're importing peat by road uh, and turf from, by road from Germany while we're banned from cutting it here. The, the overriding um, swathe of text we, we get, Minister, and have gotten uh, yeah. during this interview is about the USC tax. It was supposed to be temporary. You went back on your word. Not yours, but collectively successive governments have. Uh, well, we certainly didn't, um, uh, in Fianna Fáil, promise to, do, to abolish it. Uh, we didn't do that. We didn't promise that because uh, I don't think that that Promise to abolish car tax in 77. Well, yeah, you've asked me about USC and uh, others did promise to abolish it. We didn't um, because when I think of all the needs that you have touched on, uh, even in the last 15 or 20 minutes, you know, whether it be the need to invest in housing, uh, in healthcare to help people with energy needs to improve uh, transport and so on, that requires resources. And, um, you know, we can't do that if we remove revenue sources that the country has. What we have committed to doing, and we touched on this, is to reduce 
reduce the burden of income tax and in, in, partic- in particular that step change from the lower rate to the marginal rate but um, we just have to be honest with people and not the kind of politician who comes on and, and tells everyone what they want to hear. Um, the USC, uh, I do not see it being abolished. Um, it provides an important source of revenue. And if we want to have good quality services made available to our people, then we do have to fund it. And that's just a reality that I think there's no getting away from. Well, it's deflecting. You're in government with the same party who said they would abolish it. Anyway, I guess we're going to get nowhere on that one. Um, well, we have a Well, we have a program for government we're working to uh, and on, on, on person taxation. Uh, it provides for um, reducing the burden of income tax by increasing credits and increasing bans. That's what we're doing. It doesn't promise to abolish the USC. Okay. Michael, thank you very much for the extended time given to me. Minister Michael McGrath, uh, I hope uh, there's never anything personal, but I hope if I have to be robust that at least I was fair. Absolutely, as always. Thanks, Thank mate. you. All the best. Bye bye. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 8104 106. Red FM. And by phone, just to remind you, it's 0818 104 106. 0818 104 106. To our phone lines and to Rory. Morning, Rory. Morning. I raise in the word, Mick. I recognise the accent. Is that Rory O'Flaherty? That's me, Mick. Well, yeah, you, 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 you drive for a living, don't you? I do, Mick. Yeah, I do. No, I don't put the diesel in the truck, but maybe my boss does, like. And uh, even my own car getting to work, Mick, from Cove to Model Tram Road every day, like. Mick, 50 quid filled my car two years ago. 50 quid would fill my car and my diesel gauge. The computer would tell me that I had just over 1,100 kilometres. Okay. Yesterday, now- going home, yesterday, going, yesterday going home, I had 230 kilometres left on my diesel gauge. So I decided to put 50 quid into it. When I filled it up, I had 680 kilometres. Okay, minus the 230, then you're getting 450, 450, is it? 450, 450 kilometres for 50 quid worth of diesel. So for 50 euros last year, you're getting 1,100 kilometres, and for 50 euros this year, you're getting 450. Less than half. Exactly, mate. Exactly, mate. Okay. It's ha- easy for these ministers up there. They won't put a regulator in place. For all the fuel depots, for the garages, they won't put a regulator in place. Why? The more, the more, the, the more the people are buying, the more revenue the government is here taking from the, the garages. And and the, the more, more they can give away in September, property. I guess. Yeah, but uh, how how, but how Mick, is? Mick, hang on a second. Hold on a second. Let's let's call a spade a spade here, like, right? I'm working for a living. I'm paying my taxes. Social welfare recipients are sitting under hold twenty four seven, and he wants to give them a pay rise. He wants to give them extra handouts. I don't get a bonus week at Christmas. I won't get a bonus week in September. My fuel has gone through the roof and I still have to pay extra. I don't get a pay increase. You're what make, planet is this man on, like? You're making a fair point, but how, how is it affecting your own livelihood, the, the cost of whatever you deliver? I, do, I, I, I don't deliver it. I'm in, the, I'm in the medical side. I work in the CUH. Oh, say, oh, sorry, I thought you were so driving. I, I did. I did make up the 13 years ago. I'm in CUH for the last 13 years. Okay. Uh, it's crazy. Make the cost of living has gone through the roof. I can see myself when I just stop off in the shop, even for a loaf of bread in the shop. It's gone from like seventy nine cents to eighty nine ninety nine a euro, that kind of stuff like that. It's creeping up. Milk, everything has gone through the roof, right? Well, it's it's you, know? you, you can't optimize the supply chain and keep prices down if fuel is going through the roof. Um, we had a text last but week from Finch and Caulfield spending a hundred or, or burning a hundred thousand liters so of diesel. I feel for that man. Like it's so many. He has so many vehicles on the road, but he's not alone. The company I work for has a massive um, infrastructure of of, uh, of vehicles on the road. Do you know? Um, the, the diesel gauge has gone through the roof for them. Like it's it's just 
how they're doing it. I don't know, because they can't put it, they can't put the price up, because most of these companies are um, constricted to contracts. Are, are you worried about something, Rory, you possibly never worried about before? How are you going to heat your home this coming winter? Exactly, Mick. I bought I bought cold air, um, oh, jeez, a year, year, year and a half ago, whatever, like that. 18 euros, you get three bags for 50 quid if you buy three of them. You know what I mean? 54 and you get three for 50 if you buy them. A bag of cold air is spotted was 41 euros. And it's rising. And how are you that fixed for the winter? Well, you know, I'll have to worry about that when it comes around, like. Yeah, you're not stocking up uh, bit by bit, no? For sure, it makes no difference because it's going up today. It'll come down tomorrow, but it'll go back up again. Okay, hang on, hang on there, Rory. Tony's in Mick, line three. Mick, there's a certain, Mick, there's a certain, Mick, there's a certain, there's a certain, a certain petrol station that I pass every day on my way to work. Every day, twice a day. And when, I, when I'm en route to the hospital, I pass it four or five times, right? And I, I passed up last week, I passed up at quarter past 11, and the diesel was 214.9. I passed back down within 45 minutes, it was gone to 216.9. On Friday, it came down to 212. I, I don't hear of diesel prices jumping up and jumping down that, that often. Like, how can they jump up so much? It's true for what the last caller said when the minister was on. In, in uh, 14 years ago, it was $145 a gallon. Uh, $145 a barrel, now it's 118 And it's, it's almost three now times, or four times the price. Twice, I won't pay twice as much. Hang on yeah. there, Rory, let's let Tony Hi. in here. Hi, Tony. Morning, Mick. You think uh, you weren't too happy with the interview or with the minister? I think I've voted Fianna Fáil all my life. I know Michael McGrath personally well. He's an absolute disgrace. I'll be honest, he's a, here, here. He's a disgrace. And it's cronyism between a file, the Green Party, and Fine Gael at the moment. He kept on about the price of energy. I signed up with electricity, who are supposed to be green, generated by wind. How can wind increase in price? How can my energy be gone up 30 or 40% when it's allegedly renewable, driven by wind? How was the logic? We're surrounded by wind. How can the price go up 30 or 40%? Do you know when the way the, the, the prospective government parties face the public and they have these national TV debates, um, you know, asking for our votes? Why don't they have them once a year or midterm uh, and, and let the public uh, ask questions like I've been trying to ask the minister? Mick, I, I, what I'd say to people today, the people in Carrigaline and the surrounding area, I remember Michael McGrath today, he's totally detached. From reality, he's up there with his buddies in in Dalian. They were chauffeur driven. They're on huge money. He was on about the price of fuel in the north. It's there than down in the south. You can buy a car in the north. But they're not paying for the fuel. Pardon? They're not paying for the fuel in the ministerial cars. No, but what what I'm saying is, that's right. But what I'm saying is, he kept saying the fuel in the north of Ireland and England is more expensive than down in the south. That's true. But you can buy a car or a van in the north for half the price. If you go up to the north and bring, yeah, a, car back, bring a car back down Yeah, the European Union abolished VRT. The European Union told them to abolish the VRT 20 right. years ago. And we're still being then, with it. And then they put on the NOx tax in the last budget to increase the price of duty again in the car. Now, interest rates are allegedly yeah. going up this month. I, I think, I think the NOx tax was, was, was to support the Irish motor industry and to kind of put a halt to the importation of UK cars. That's right. What's your what's your Mick, been wrong? Mick, can I jump in there for one second? Yeah, come on, Roy. Can I jump in there for one second and get and get and get Tony's opinion on this? Mick, you're you're, you're from Cove, right? And we look across every day at, at Whitegate Irish Refinery. 
There is there is not a tanker arriving every day in Whitegate. There's a tanker maybe once a week, twice some weeks if you're lucky, right? John, so just just use ballpoint names though. John Murphy owns Whitegate. He's buying a tanker full of diesel, or a tanker full of fuel. And what? he's paying a certain price for that tanker fuel. How can that tanker of fuel, how can that then keep going up and up and up and up and up when he bought it at one price? Well, I, I, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the tankers, the trucks, the trucks are filling out of Whitegate every single day. Hundreds of them. And they're travelling around the community. Yeah, filling I, up all the stations. I spend a lot of time because of, because the food and the welcome is second to none in Rosie's in, a, in Ahada. And every Brilliant. I, I, 30 I, seconds. I met one of the staff the other day. Every 30 yeah, I seconds. I met one of the staff from uh, Rosie's. There's an oil tanker heading to Whitegate or back up the road. Uh, passing up a very, very, exactly, bu- exactly. very busy road. So, but, but they're, they're, they're taking from the one fill, from the one ship that pulled in on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, they're taking from that fill. And that was bought at a certain price. So how can that keep going up and up and up and up and up? So where do we go from here? This, this, is, not, this is only the start of the wedge. This is going to get... We're, we we're going to have a health we system... Need, that, that, we need the minister go on. to set up a regulator. We need the minister to set up a regulator. But they won't do it because they're making too much. There's too much money going into the government coppers from the, from the petrol and diesel. The more they sell, the more they make. So they can announce more increases for social welfare and, and this and that and, and forget the taxpayer because we're paying for it. He's really got your goat, Rory, hasn't he? Oh, my God, because I want to get on a while ago when, when Jim rang me there. I said to myself, I'll get on there and, 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 and have a chat with him like an ad and not. Do you know? This will be a great time and I to really... there many more around the county. There was very, there was many more around the county. I'd say waiting to get on to have a go off from like an ash. Yeah, I, he's I, not I've... living in our world at all. He's, he's not living in our world at all. He's living in a higher social world that that his pockets can afford because of the, the, the substantial salary that he's earning. I, I have hundreds of questions. I was asked to put to him. I have hundreds of questions, guys. I was asked to put to the seventeen percent. The seventeen percent pay increase. They've reinstated all the all the um, the public sector workers back up to their normal salaries again. I, I've, I've somebody We're here. Not an increase. I, I've somebody here who asked me and can't physically get around to all the questions. Right? Uh, ask him why he won't get rid of the USC charge on workers. Ask him will they scrap medicine charges on monthly pres- prescriptions for people who are struggling and have chronic illnesses, who are on two hundred and eight euros a week, and who have to pay all bills, property tax, and the rising fuel costs to heat their home and put food on the table on two hundred and eight euros a week. Uh, you just can't get around to all the questions. Uh, Tony, final word for but you. Th- Thanks, Rory. Just got to take no, some more callers on. Thanks a million, Rory. Tony, it's final my, word from you. My, thing actually, my, my thoughts are when interest rates go up this, at the end of this month. Yeah, prob- probably not by a quarter of a percent, but probably by a half no, percent. Half, half, and maybe a percent, a foot percent by Christmas. Yes. They're not going to be in trouble. Because at the moment, people are stretched. And any person with a mortgage, it's, going to, it's, it's, it's probably going to sink them, to be honest about it. And I thought somebody might ask the minister the question, why are we paying the highest interest rates in the European Union? In England at the moment, the base rate in England is about, the variable rate in England is about 1.5%. And Ireland's about 2, 2, 2 and 3 quarter percent, because they researched this. Why are we paying 1.25% above the, the European average? Because the banks are getting away with it. That's the reason. I mean, interest rates will go up. Probably in, in uh, they probably won't hit the people till August. Then we'll be in trouble. 
Yeah, I, I know they're going to have to raise interest rates to try and dampen the inflation. It's at 9.6%, soon to hit 10%. Uh, Tony, thanks very much. One final question, uh, which I did mean to put to the Minister. If Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens went to the country now, what would be the, the outcome? I think Sinn Féin know whether or not they would be any better. I genuinely don't know. Because when Fianna Fáil were in opposition two years ago, Michael McGrath was shouting from the rafters what he was going to do when he got in. He's a no. In 2008, the Green Party and Fianna Fáil bankrupt this country. They bankrupt the country to bring into Troika to sort the finances of the country out. And we're heading down the same track. Michael McGrath McGra- is generally regarded around the Carrigaline and its environs as a decent public representative. What makes you uh, now think he's an absolute disgrace, Tony? Because he's, he's detached from reality. He's in the wrong. He's in the wrong portfolio. Maybe if he was the minister for finance, he might have some control. When I see Pascal Pascal Donoghue, I I just get so mad. It's, a, it's impossible for any interviewer to land at love on either of them. They're they're very good at what they do. But they're telling lies, Mick. They're basically telling people lies. Tony, I must take a commercial break, um, and uh, I'll come back to the calls. But thank you very much, Tony. Well, fine, Mick. Thank you Cheers. very much thank for having you. me on. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And a final call before news at 10. Aidan McNamara's on line one. Morning, Aidan. Morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. USC, get rid of it. That, that's right. Well, Mick, first of all, fair play to Michael McGrath for coming on this morning. And I know he is a decent person, but I think he made one mistake. His, him and his party did say, you know, time after time in 2008 that the USC was a temporary tax, a measure to fill up the banks and get them back on their feet again. Now the banks are making billions and we're still paying it. I and thought that was Fine Gael and I said it to him. Yeah, well I, I think he was one of them as well at the time that was saying, you know, it was temporary and I know it was a long no, time I don't think Michael McGrath was in power 12 years ago unless I'm wrong, well, or was well, in office. There was, there was plenty of politicians promised us that it was a temporary tax and they're on record, and it will be very easy to prove it. And I think that what they're doing now is illegal because they're actually taxing us twice. You know, we're paying enough tax as it is. And if they give us, if they got rid of that tomorrow morning, it would help every, every, every household in the country. It might be the difference of a bag of sports for one family or a bag of coal for another, but it would be something, and everybody right across the board would score. You know, and I just think what they're doing is wrong. And if there was any solicitors listening there, I think they should get together and they should, they, they should challenge it, you know, on behalf of all of us. Because they did say it was temporary. They did say it was to fill up the banks. I'm sure the banks are laughing at us now. We paid billions and billions and we're still paying it 14 years on. And I, I think that's one way of helping us if they were serious. Get rid of USC could be the difference between a bag of spuds and or a bag of coal. Uh, the VRT exactly. is another thing they could legally challenge uh, and give some respite to the hard-pressed motorist. Yeah, you're, you're dead right. But, you know, the USC has to stop them bringing in another temporary tax tomorrow morning if something else goes wrong. And they do that very quickly, but the, uh, the respite measures are always pushed down the line. We wait, wait till autumn. Yeah, but, you know, this is a, a hate tax and it's affecting every single family. And I, I mean the people that are paying more daily score, but the people that are paying less daily 
they'll score as well. Everybody would score if they got rid of it. Okay, so, I mean, so some of the questions I didn't get to ask him, let me ask you. Should the TD and ministers take a pay cut and wait till 65 for their pensions? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, the rest of us, we have to wait until we're 66. They have brilliant money all their life. What's wrong with waiting until they're 65? I, I don't see any, you know, I, I, I think fair is fair. We, we, we're all, you know, we're all working to keep our families and roof over our head. And I mean, they have fantastic money. I know, I know they have to put up with a lot. But I, I, I mean, the thing is, if we retire tomorrow morning at 65, we have to live on our own money until we're 66. You know, and that's if we get a pension at 66. By, the, by next year, that could be 67 or 68 again. Another uh, item I didn't get around to asking him was, uh, he said to me last time I, I was relieving Neil on this programme, uh, that uh, petrol prices wouldn't go over two euros a litre. Yeah. They wouldn't I be allowed to. You. I agree with you. But sure, you know what? They're going to help us here now with the petrol next week or the week after or the end of the month. But sure, what's to stop the com- petrol companies just pu- putting up their prices again? We get, uh, we we get used to it. We get used to it. It's a burden we get used to. And, and we never speak up enough. Yeah, but you see, what's happening here now at the moment, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a business here on the port of Cork, right, containers, and I deal with a lot of hauliers here every day, and every single day I, I'm listening to hauliers there who are getting diesel and tick, and, and it costs some lorries here 1,300 euros to fill up their tank. I, and I mean, that was, that was a month ago. I, you know, I, I have a friend here, he has four lorries, and he's thinking of parking one of them up. He can't fill it. That's happening right across the country. I'd now have to go yeah, for news. Thanks very much for your comments. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank bye bye. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And I'll do a quick pay-per-view right now because we didn't get to it at the start of the last hour. We went straight into our interview with the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath. Temperatures are 23 degrees here by the end of the week. Rona Maguire reporting in the sun today. And I'll skip over the uh, cost of living stuff, which is all over the papers today. Cost of living budget, says the Echo front page. Uh, very clever on the front page of the start, though. Cost busters. Who are you going to call? And it's uh, superimposed photoshops, uh, photoshopped pictures of uh, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath in their Ghostbusters uniform, the 6.7 billion war chest for the budget, says the Echo. And the Mail has rural dwellers hit hardest by fuel hikes. We've covered all of that uh, with the Minister. The Echo has a, a big headline, uh, Liam Halen reporting that there's no jail for assault in late-night rampage. Late-night raiders attacked a man living alone and robbed the 4x4 vehicle outside his home on a violent rampage. One of the men involved has been given a two-year suspended sentence for assault causing harm. And uh, also heard that the Cove Sailing Club was broken into and uh, vandalised. Um, so I hope they uh, get things fixed up there. Uh, an end to Russia gas can't be ruled out, says the examiner uh, front page government to announce new cost of living supports. But the customer's bulk buying of fuel is happening already to avoid potential winter price hikes. As I say, we've covered all of that. But six have been shot dead at the Chicago 4th of July parade. A manhunt is underway for a gunman with more than 20 people hospitalized six people killed and more than two dozen injured after a gunman opened fire at uh, a July 4th Independence Day parade near Chicago. You get desensitized to this, and I know it's kind of uh, inhumane to do so, uh, but it's mass, mass casualty after mass casualty uh, by gun 
uh, in the United States. In the latest mass casualty shooting uh, there in recent months, uh, police said the gunman fired randomly from a roof at people who were taking part in watching as the Independence Day parade passed through Highland Park in Illinois. Highland Park is about 30 miles from the centre of Chicago. Uh, it's sort of like a Rochestown or a, uh, a Douglas or that sort of thing. A sort of a uh, leafy school enclave where people go for a kind of better quality of life from the children away from the concrete jungle. And this must have come as some shock. Come fly army defence forces to pitch in at airport security checks. Also covered this yesterday. More than 100 members of the defence forces helping out and will be helping out at Dublin Airport from tomorrow. A Ryanair steward, speaking of airlines, uh, drank whiskey during a flight. A Ryanair steward drank whiskey from the aircraft's drinks trolley and downed a small bottle of wine while the flight was in the air, a court has been told. Sam Thompson, 26, was on duty when a witness saw him drink Jack Daniels from the trolley before taking a small bottle of wine from his pocket and necking the whole bottle. Chelmsford Magistrates Court in England heard. Yesterday, the defendant of Warrenfield Close in Cheshunt in Hertfordshire admitted to performing an aviation function as a member of cabin crew while his ability to do so was impaired by drink, thereby, thereby putting the safety of passengers at risk uh, in case of an emergency, I imagine. He is due to be sentenced on August 3rd uh, and was told he might be jailed. Um, the uh, witness uh, reported uh, seeing Thompson drink whiskey before they filmed the member of staff. He was still on duty while the flight was in the air and police took a breath test from Thompson at Stansted Airport with a reading of 50 uh, mcg of alcohol in a 100 ml of breath therefore he gave a lower uh, before he gave a lower reading of 39 a little later at the police station hollywood stars and ireland's a list celebrities elite uh, have helped to raise millions of euro for charity at jp McManus' special golf event big guest star of course is actor bill murray a uh, new Limerick GAA fan, and Jamie Dornan, uh, Mr. Gray, isn't it? And One Direction's Niall Horan, all pictured there. I think Niall Horan was playing uh, golf with Bill Murray, actually. Uh, just some of the uh, non-golfing big names at the Pro-Am yesterday in Adair Manor, County Limerick. That's all over the morning papers. And fish will be off the menu unless EU funds are claimed. Traditional fish and chips and Irish restaurants summer menus are at risk with the seafood sector warning it's been crippled by rising fuel prices. Fishermen, aquaculture producers and fish processors have said they face a potential shutdown if the government does not draw down available EU funds to help. They say sanctions imposed due to Russia invading Ukraine created a fuel shortage uh, that has resulted in increased energy costs. This has led to higher costs of fuel and general transport, more expensive fish feed and bigger electricity bills. So the traditional fish and chips might be off uh, the menu and that only stands to reason uh, if the trawlers are not going uh, to sea. Uh, and a positive email on Michael McGrath because, uh, of course, when you're up in that uh, lofty perch of power, uh, you are going to get a lot of criticism. Hi Mick, just a quick comment to say what's been said about Michael McGrath is totally uncalled for. I agree about everything that's happening, but to say he is a disgrace and he does nothing is absolutely untrue. Myself and my husband begged and pleaded with everyone to get our mortgage over the line in 2021. We emailed every minister and TD known around the country with the same automatic email sent back saying their hands are tied. We are both in full-time employment with no valid reason to turn us down for a mortgage. One email to Michael McGrath and his special advisor, and we were in our house within six months. Every few days, they checked in on how we were getting on, and we were not forgotten about. I would just be grateful if people could hear this. Everyone we told about our situation agreed that Michael McGrath is well known to be there for his people, and it's something we will forever be grateful for. 
the amount of people that talk highly of him far outweighs the negative comments. We would not be in our home now if it wasn't for him. Like the rest of them, he could have sent me back an email saying no, but he didn't. He gave his time. Again, I know what's going on is hard, but good deeds are being done on the background, which is not being talked about. He's there for his people uh, when our local TD and ministers turned their backs. So that's uh, one in support of Michael McGrath, who, as I said, has always been perceived as a decent public representative. Maybe one uh, with a political hot potato now and a very, very tough job on his and Pascal Donoghue's hands. And they're not going to be appreciated by everybody. That is par for the course. Uh, Let's go back to our phone lines. Maureen is on line one. Good morning, Maureen. Good morning, Nick. Now, you think Michael McGrath's talking rubbish? Yep, I do, like the rest of them. Go on. I tell you something, Mick, if lying was an Olympic sport, they'd be weighed down under the weight of the gold medals. <laughs> oh, that's a fact. So my position, and there's more, many more people like me, okay? Mm-hmm. I applied for disability because I have scoliosis. Diagnosed in Bantry Hospital, October 2021, which was missed down through the years when I began complaining of back problems and the x-ray showed it. Now, I applied because I used to work. I used to do three days on these schemes that they used to have, you know. But unfortunately, I can't do it anymore. I'm limited in what I can do. And I try to manage the pain myself by day because my body tells me what I'm capable of and what I'm not. So I applied for my, for disability. And that was, Back in 2020, now, you know, there was nobody answering phones and there was nobody doing anything. Okay, well, what, what criteria I, did you have to meet to be able to apply and to be assessed? How many meetings? How many doctor's reports? One. No, I had no, I had, I, I had, well, I had the doctor's reports. All I, I had the, the results from Bantry and I had the reports of the times, you know, that I would have to go on, you know, and I was really bad. But I did, I just put that by the wayside now. There was no point. So I got a letter back to tell me that I, I wasn't bad enough by somebody who has never seen me, never been sent for a medical to these people. So I sent in, um, I, you know, I had to appeal it. I've still heard nothing. So it seems I'd have to go back and reapply all over again. They must have put more nuanced English into the communication. They didn't say you're not bad enough, did they? They did. That was yes, yes. Yes, that's exactly what it said. They didn't, th- they didn't um, think that I was bad enough to be on disability, is what I was told. Now, I'm still on job seekers. So by the time my rent comes out of that, I get 177 euro in my hand. And out of that comes food, comes fuel, comes bills, which means by probably Friday, I have nothing again until the following week. So... I can't even, only for charity shops, I wouldn't be clothed or have a shoe because I can't afford to be going into, the, into shops buying new clothes. What, what are the priority so, lists for you? So obviously, there's nothing there for the like of us. Obviously food I mean, and heat, Maureen, yeah? Yes, oh yeah. Food and heat and clothing, of course, as well. I mean, you can't go around in, you know, in rags, which I think is what we're going to be reduced to very shortly. So how would they expect the like of me? And there's many more people like me in the same situation. How are they going to expect the like of me to fork out if coal does go to, we say, to 50 euro a bag? If it does, where am I going to get that 50 euro to buy coal plus pay electricity? Will Electric Ireland gone up again another 10%? 
What's going to happen, Maureen, do you think, in your situation? I have no idea. Make I don't. I don't know. Something has to give. Is it Something your quality of, of... It has to be... It'll have to be... Well, well my quality, quality of, life, of food? I'm just existing. Quality of food or heat. One or the other will have to go. Because there is no way that I can, that I can survive having to pay out that money. So you, it's you, not possible. So you can shiver on a full stomach or starve in a warm house? I can. I, yes, exactly. That's, that'll be the two options. I will have left. Do, do and you, these politicians... Do you believe, Maureen, that they're not stupid? They know it. Do you believe there, the are, there, there are extenuating outside circumstances that, that are causing all of this? Uh, you, you know, we blame COVID, we blame Brexit. Now we can, you know, yeah. we can we can blame the Ukraine for all we want. Uh, there are outside pressures causing this inflation. Mm-hmm. Michael McGrath would contend the government have put a very generous package in place, albeit it won't be announced until uh, last uh, Tuesday in September. Um, does that give you some hope for the winter? No. Not at all. I mean, what, 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 what generous package are they talking about? I mean, these people are not stupid. They know exactly the plight of people in this country. They must know it. But yet, they're not addressing it. We are make We, people like me, are the poor. We are in, down in the very bottom ring, or rung of the ladder, sorry, in this country. We're only one step away from losing the roof over our head. And suddenly, all of a sudden, Cork County Council are doing a stock survey of properties. All of a sudden, they've got plenty of money in the kitty to start coming around, coming into your home, wanting to see under the guise of repairs, taking photographs. That's not happening. What, what did you all do before sudden, you reflected? What did you do, Maureen, before you were afflicted with the illness? Um, well, uh, oh, well, my years ago, hotel work used to be all my work, and then I had a family, and I raised girls. But I used to go out to work at night, um, bar work. I used to work at night, five, start work at nine o'clock, weekend night, and I'd off me coming home three, four, five in the morning um, from work. But um, then it began to get too much. So then I was on, you know, these schemes, and I was with the Irish Wheelchair Association for quite a while. And the last one was with Gerta which was, it was in a shop, you know. But they left Clannacilt, they, they, they closed down for some reason or other. So, um, but at this time, like, I'm limited to what I can do. And as you know, if you know Clannacilt, it's really a summer town. But most of the jobs that are here, you're on your feet all day. I can't do that. That's not possible. What, what, what amount of work are you allowed to do on, on your particular social welfare allowance? Is it job seekers' allowance you're yeah, on, is I could it? Yeah, I do, yeah. So you can do, you can do, um, is it 20, what is it, 21 hours or something? Anyway, it was about three days. You can do three days a week, but you have to, you know, they place you, which is more nonsense, they place you in, uh, on, under some scheme. And I'm still getting letters back from them, and I'm sick and tired of trying to tell them, I'm, no, 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 I'm, I'm applying for disability, I can't do anything right now. I still get the letters. And because I had to turn it down, I had to turn down one of them maybe, I think it was about three years ago. Twice, I was penalised and they took money off me. Because you worked? Yeah, no, because I couldn't do it. I turned it down. Oh, I sorry, you turned, you, you turned down a position 40, they offered. Yes, I about almost 45 euros taken off me, twice. Penalty, punishment. This country has gone to hell. And these politicians 
had our country destroyed. We had natural resources off our coast and they gave it away. We could have oil coming into this country, but they are refusing to let it in. We can have and liquefied gas coming into this country. No, the people are suffering. They're suffering because they want to implement this green agenda. Another load of rubbish. At the cost, at the cost of the citizens. And I'm one of them. So you, you, you did right by this country in your working life. You raised a family. I did. I did. I you raised paid, a family. Paid your taxes. Paid my taxes. You I went out to work at night. Country. I did. Yep. Do you feel the country is not doing right by you now? No, well, no, it's not actually. How, how can it be doing right by anybody, by any citizen who is in this predicament? They don't care about me. I, I, I'm just a number on the side of the street. And is there any way, any way you can get a second opinion on the scoliosis and get a, get a, a proper diagnosis and, 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 I could, but and I have a stronger for application for disability? I could, but I have to pay for it. Yeah, and that's impossible, of course. Of course, that's yeah. impossible, you see. Yeah, I, I, well, I could if I had plenty of money. I could go to anybody I like and say, look, this is a problem, but I'm going to be fucked out money that I don't have. Well, you will have it in the double bonus when they pay it out in autumn and again at Christmas. But that, that, that's going to go on something else. That's going to have to try and stock up if we still have the cause. Oh, I, I believe you. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to catch you with it. You, you know, I'm I not know trying to ask not, you a smart question. You know, it's, I know. it's welcome, but, but it's not going to go well. very far. It, no, it's not going to go very well. But that's all very well for them to do this. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen to come into the new year and the next year? I mean, this is them just trying to placate people as far as I can see. You know, we will throw you a few crumbs and we'll keep you happy for a couple of months. When you pay your rent, Maureen, the 177 a week, because I want to get down to the, the stark reality of how you divide it out. What, what do you spend it on? Obviously food. Food. Um, my electricity. The bins. I have insurance, um, which is, um, you know, it's, it's funeral cost insurance. Because I have to leave something behind me when I pop off. I can't expect my family to pay for that. They've got their own children, their own, their own bills to pay. I can't expect them to fork out two or three thousand euros. So when I pop off, Mick, my going, it'll be just as poor as my coming was. Okay? That's a very... It's a very sad way to look at it. I know it's real and I know it's hurting you. It is real. It is real, yes. It is real. I go down even in town if I, and if I do manage to get a cork, which is 22 euros, 22.50 return on Bossair. Now West Cork or does it cheaper. West Cork Connect does it cheaper. But where's the point? I, I pass the shops here and I'll be looking in the window and see something nice. I know I'm never going to have that. If I want to buy a pair of shoes, I did it last, last year before Christmas, I had to pay them off every week, and, and my daughter um, paid the balance as a Christmas present. But that's how I have to get stuff. So that's another bit of money going out every week to try and get something in two or three months' time. Do you do that from within the, in an organised credit from the shop, or do you resort to moneylender? No, no, the shop, one of the shoe shops will do it. But it's not, okay. Most of them will do it. You can pay, you can, you can pay it off. No, no, may, maybe some don't, but the one I went to would be kind of the place I would go to, but they quite happily accepted that. They, you just leave them in the shop and you pay, you know, 
five or ten of them every week. Depending on the price, if they're kind of more of expense, you'd have, you'd have to resort to paying the ten. I was only paying the five. But see, that was another five gone. That was taking it away from something else. Did you, think, did you think, Maureen, that your autumn years would be better than this? I did. I actually did. I never thought we'd see the day when we'd be in this predicament. But I suppose the writing was on the wall when that many years. But of course, we probably didn't take too much notice of it. But to land in this predicament, I never thought it. I'm absolutely disgusted the way this country has gone and the way people have been treated. They should be ashamed of themselves. Every single one of them up there. I don't even call them a government anymore. I call them traitors. Well, you haven't lost one thing more, and that's your ability to speak out. No, and I never will, Nick. I will say what I think, and I will give my opinion, and if people don't like it, tough. But I learned to be tough growing up, even though I was an only child. But we had life lessons when we were growing up. And it stood, it stood me in good stead today. And yeah. nobody, as, as much as hard as I will try, nobody will keep walking over me because I keep on fighting. And I won't go down on my knees. That's a fact. Well, fair play to you, Maureen. Life is tough. 177 euros a week after you pay your rent and trying to, to cover all yep. of the bases and, and, and pay yep. for your shoes and your bits of clothes from the, from the charity shops. Yep. My, my heart goes yep. out to you, but you haven't lost your fighting spirit. No, Mick, and I won't. Thanks. Have a great day as best you can, Maureen, all right? Okay, Mick, all right. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Another quick call on the topic from Noel. Hi, Noel. Hello, Noel. Hello. Hi there. You were a chef for 32 years. That's correct, yes. And are you you in the same boat as Maureen? You you were uh, refused disability? Yes, I was, and I've appealed it uh, twice, and it was reviewed once and still um, disallowed. And uh, I agree 100% with everything that woman has said, Maureen. Uh, you feel you're dehumanized, you ring the social, they never answer the phone, you send an email, it takes them two, three weeks to get back to you. It's near impossible to get doctor's appointments because you got to wait weeks to get scans, medical reports, all that kind of stuff. They looked at my case based on November 2021 and disallowed it, saying that they couldn't allow any new information, so I had to resend all the documentation back in again. So you, you, you were chefing for 32 years and you were diagnosed with a spinal degenerative disorder? Correct, yeah, which affects my shoulder, my hands. Um, just re- a couple of weeks back, I actually had three injections in the spine to try and ease the pain. And unfortunately, they haven't worked. I'm on about 14 painkillers a day. I'm on antidepressants as well. It's a tough situation. I survive on my wife's wages here. And uh, it's very, very tough. Okay, degenerative, of course, means it's going to get worse. Did you hear that, that callous line that Maureen claimed was in her letter anyway? You're not bad enough. Uh, no, wh- they, don't use that, they didn't use that terminology with me. With me. They just said that um, I'm not using the terminology. I am not permanently incapable of work where the doctor has wrote, I am permanently unfit for work. I have a consultant's letter. I'm in my 50s, and he has described my spine as a 70-year-old-plus man. So there, there is no cure. It's going to get worse. No, the only option I have is surgery, which will is not uh, something I really want to do. And this consultant, my consultant, does not want to do that either at too, the moment. He, because of my young age, I'm in my fifties. Is it is it too risky? A risk of paralysis? Well, he hasn't said that. It's obviously there's always a risk when you're going into the spine. Yes. 
So you were no. on you were on your second appeal for uh, allowance. No, no, I've got I've I've sent in. This is I, I was on illness benefit for uh, fourteen months. That was discontinued in twenty twenty one. I applied for invalidity disability, and they denied that on three occasions without meeting me, without consulting me, without talking to me. All the communication is done through my doctor, which I forward on in emails to the Department of Social Welfare. And on what grounds were you disallowed? They don't say. They just said. They don't say. They just refer back to the original decision, which was made. Which was the answer was no. You're not permanently incapable of work in twenty in November twenty one. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's disgraceful. You can't. Nobody talks. They just pass you off. Ring there. Go there. You know. I even went down to the social welfare officer, and they were like, "We'll go for job seekers allowance." I can't apply for that because I'm not available for work. Okay, so you're you're between a rock and a hard place. Where 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 do you go from here? Well, I have a meeting organised this week with a, a local TD. I have no option but to go to a TD to say, look, this is what's going on. This is the reality. I mean, everybody knows, as Maureen said, the price of food. Everything has gone up. I mean, I had to tax my car. I had to save for two months to tax that car. I need that car to get to the doctor. I need that car to get the prescription because I live out in the country. My wife was spending 980 euros on diesel a month. So now she stays in Dublin three nights a week. It's cheaper, to, life. Che- cheaper to do that. Well, she's no choice. She stays with um, a friend of hers. Okay. So obviously it's affecting our marriage, our mental, um, you know, I can't, it's, it's hard to describe. It's just, it's just tough out there. And then you listen to these guys on the radio giving it large because there's an election coming up. No. No, there's no election coming up. That, that, that well, per- I don't know. But that particular um, truth to power device called the ballot box won't be here for about three years. All oh, right, OK. Well, I thought I presumed it was... Well, on, 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 unless somebody pulls the government down on a point of principle or something. Well, maybe we should go out and pull them down. <laughs> no, like, I, can, I can hear the despair in your voice. I have great empathy for you and, and thank you for coming on the air. Uh, and and I, look, I, I do hope you, you, you get the help you deserve or seem to deserve uh, as regards getting the proper allowance for what is a degenerative, not getting any better disorder. Yeah, it's true. Like I said, I only rang in. I don't normally ring in, but Maureen was speaking the truth there. And um, your researchers just said, look, you need to come on, say your say, so people are aware of what's going out there, the reality of it. There's a lot of people ringing in who never rang radio stations before, Noel, and that's indicative of uh, the struggle that a lot of people are experiencing right now. Thanks a million and the very best luck to you, Noel. Thanks, Mick. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. 25 minutes to 11, and when we announced on our social media last night that we had Michael McGrath, the Minister for uh, Public Expenditure and Reform, coming on, it elicited... Uh, elicited uh, hundreds of questions, of course, can't get to all of them. Uh, and there's an email here that came in as well overnight uh, that, uh, you know, you just don't have time to read in the limited time available uh, when you're questioning a minister. But uh, I'll read it now. Hi there. I have a question for Michael McGrath. Just a quick recap first. Back in March, you spoke to Neil about how our government can control something we don't own in regards to our fuel prices. Well, Michael, would you like to remind us people of Ireland why we don't own our own fuel? I can. In 1961, our own Sean Lamass sold all our oil rights to three Americans for £500. Now, in today's money, it's worth £420 billion. 
But don't worry, because us Irish will bail our failing government out because for 60 years uh, we've been corrupted by the lies fed to us. Our own government took the EU to court against the Apple tax bill to hold the money which to date has lost $348 the exact amount it will cost us to give our less fortunate social welfare recipients and dependent pensioners one extra week's money this autumn. Our government preaches they can't do any more. Our government needs to put their hands up and uh, admit their failings over the last 60 years. Just one more thing for you, Michael, before I ask my question. Our government leaders have said lately that if they could find another income to replace the value of the USC, uh, they would. Well, here's one to start with. You could give a little push in the right direction, and no, it's not Apple, because our government already made it clear they wouldn't like to take their $13 billion and cover USC for the next three to four years. And as you know, Michael, everyone knows Apple, they're a household name. But let's have a look at uh, even one or two more American companies uh, with their offices in uh, Cork. Um, uh, Mintech Europe Limited, an American-owned company with a nice trading name with Europe in the title set up in the, uh, let's guess, yes, the 60s that operate all their business through Cork. Uh, why? Because they don't pay VAT on anything. A multi-billion dollar company and our government lets them take us to the cleaners uh, every working hour on the clock and theirs la- last count was 400 plus factories worldwide. Apple ain't a drop in the ocean compared to the mistakes of our government. To sum up, you don't need to look outside Cork for an answer. You need to go to Leinster House for the truth. And my question to you is, are you going to admit the failings of the Irish government and help us with more than 60 uh, years of lies? Because it's not COVID or Ukraine or Brexit that gave us the problems we have. It's our own government. Let the truth be out once and for all. And are you the man to do it? In regards, says a tired taxpayer in Cork. I'm not sure what the Mintech Europe thing uh, was referring to, uh, but I read the email as uh, we got it. Uh, if you're wondering uh, about your entitlements as a credit union holder, should you or your spouse pass on, I have a very interesting email on that uh, to come to later in the program as well. Uh, but right now, let's go to line two and to Joe in Joe's Hair Salon. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Mick. How are you this morning? I'm good. Now, the cost of business. The cost of business. What's it been like Crazy. for you? Um, it hasn't been too bad in the sense I've got my regulars, but there is... There is a change. I find the younger people, the the younger married um, couples out in common as often, and a lot of people out and getting their big jobs done, like colours and things, just tend to be doing them at home. Um, I think COVID has shown people what they can do at home, and they're now with the way everything is, they're saving the bobs and maybe coming for a course and doing the rest at home themselves. Okay, but annually, of course, uh, around this time of the year, you do a charity fundraiser. Well, we do something every year, but what we do... This year we're doing, and we did it last year, it was an amazing success. We're doing back-to-school appeal for families that, that are in difficulty, especially we do it for Adele House and Coonley Refuge and Katrina for Penny Dinners. She'd have some clients for us, and then I would have private people from different services and private people ring me. I would do an anchor this year. What we're doing, Mick, is we're collecting school bags, pencil cases, copies, biros, markers, anything at all we're doing going back-to-school vouchers for Dunstick or added you anywhere to get uniforms. Um, literally anything going back to school for kids. We don't want kids going back to school and not having the right amount of stuff. Well, that's, that's a good things. idea. If you, know, if, if, if you can afford to surrender, the, is, is it the €10 Euro when you spend €50 Euro in, in duns and hand that in? That could be of greater use to somebody else. Absolutely, yeah. Because, see, what we're doing, what we are getting, we're going to get a lot of copies, pencil cases, maybe school bags. But uniforms, I won't go up and buy. I'll give the vouchers to 
um, the parents and the grandparents get their, their uniform because of all the the sizes and things. But just me to say that there's a huge out there this year, huge demand for it. Like last year, we had an amazing response. But this year, I'm hoping for the same and a little bit more because people are contacting me, Joey, doing anything this year. Um, would you think of me when you're doing it? Don't forget me this year, blah, blah, blah. Have a boy and a girl. I have one special needs and she needs special copies and special colouring type of copies. I don't know what they use, but she, she was trying to explain to me. So vouchers for people like that as well, you know. Okay, so um, a- anyone who can afford to, where do we find the hair salon again, Joe? Refresh me. Oh my God, the whole conversation you know where Joseph's is, down in Glassy Road, across from Flannery, Mick. But just also what we're going to do this year, we're doing free haircuts. Well, I shouldn't say free haircuts. We're doing cuts for the kids, free haircuts for the kids going back to school. So we're going to have a party day in Flannery's in the Marquis for John Gaffney and Pat Murray give us their place in Flannery's. They're amazing. They put on food and all sorts of treats. And we go across the road then and get the hair done and back then to Marquis again for a bit of a party. That's Joe's, Joe's Hooley, is it? Joe's Hooley. <laughs> Joe's Hooley. There's an Easter Hooley, Christmas Hooley, and now they're going back to school Hooley. All right, now... And wh- anybody really, you know, that knows me, you know, it's a great day, and certainly then if there's people out there that want to contact me privately, they can, of course, and we look after them. It depends what comes in now. I don't know what's coming. There's so you, you, you must be box. inundated with these back-to-school haircuts, are you? Did, did you say you're offering them for free? Offering them for free in August, yeah. Okay. And as they make it a party day then for the kids and, you know, have treats for the moment. Flannery's and Flannery's will do chips and sausages and things like that. They're amazing. Over there, support them. They always support our endeavours. So they're brilliant. Um, and then there's anybody that, you know, feels up to them to have it, because it's very hard to be asking for stuff at the moment. People don't have it. People that were given last year are probably looking for this year, you know what I mean? Yeah. Make their, so, so if anybody can buy food things down to the salon, anything at all is much appreciated, and we'll give it to the right people, and the right people that's, really need to relax you get it you know what I mean uh, and what kind of school books do you take don't, don't they change every year as, as the Not curriculum school changes books, school copies school you know, copies okay school books yeah so school, co- school copies, school copies school pencils yeah, uh, folders geometry sets whatever they need going back to school this is young since I went to school but you know last year now we got loads of stuff like school bags school bags pencil cases folders loads of copies stuff like that even socks Underwear, I know now, you know, said for kids going back to school, socks, underwear, things like that too we got last year. It was amazing what we Joe, got. Joe, can I, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? What, 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 what do you call the thing that rubs out pencil? A rubber. A rubber. We always called it a rubber in Cove as well. Uh, but yeah. apparently it's an eraser now. You can't oh, be saying rubbers anymore. Yeah. No. Well, we did say rubbers years ago for some <laughs> reason of pencil. <laughs> okay, what's, what, what, what sort of school bags do they have to be new? No, well, mostly, yeah, it just happened to have someone with a, with a second. But if someone has a near to new, a lady contacted me the other day and said she has few and uh, practically new, of course we'll take them. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Okay. So I went to school and I was suitcased years ago, mother of God, with a belt wrapped around to keep it tied. So anything at all that will help. Like, there's families out there have nothing, literally have nothing now to go back to school with, and they're worrying already. Because one of my girls, so you doing the bit early. I said, no, I want to relieve parents at the moment, not have the pressure thinking about it all summer. Oh, my God, what are we going to do for the kids going back to school? Let them know that we're doing this now, and please, God, we get a good response. Okay. It, it's a wonderful endeavour. It, it kind of hits at the right place as well. And, and there are no losers here. I know you're starting early now in early July, uh, but that gives us about seven or eight weeks for people to bring vouchers 
uh, for people to bring school books, copies, I mean, uh, pencils, geometry sets, anything that could help uh, relieve the yeah. pressure come school time. Yeah, and what it does too, we see now they would be able to relax a bit more maybe for the August. If we had everything done by, you know, the start of August, parents would know what they have. There's no point to give them the last minute because they're panicking and, you know what I mean? They need to be able to relax now and say, oh, we have this, we have that, or what do we need? I'm getting a list from... So from That's what from, I'm just about to ask. Do, do, do people give you a list? Look, this is everything I need. If, if you can take off anything on this list, it will really, yeah, really help I, me greatly. Yeah, and then I'd say, look, this is what we have, with, and what ages are they, and, you know, is it a boy or a girl, and how many would you need, and things like that, you know what I mean? And say they need a new school bag, or they need 50 copies, or, you know... Mostly say we'll take anything you have, Joe, we'd be delighted. And then they say, and we know someone else, our next door neighbours in difficulty as well, but they'd hate to ask, would you mind? You know, this sort of thing. Okay. Joe, will you, will you do me a favour? Will you make up a full list of what you're accepting? Uh, and, you know, please say none of this, none of this, and none of this as well, just so people can be clear. And we'll put it up on our social channels, and that may increase the giving. And uh, you, you, where are you hoarding all this stuff? Have you a container? The salon. What we do, we take it in the salon, and then... Um, I go home in the evening and I just push it all into a spare room. And as I get it, I give it out. I bring a lot of stuff into Dell House because they're very much in the need of it. Because they really don't, you know, people leave situations from into Dell House from, you know, violent situations, they leave with nothing. Mm-hmm. So literally last year, you know, we did a wall of it at Dell House. They got lots and lots of stuff and used every bit of it. We've got, we've got a text from the Baldy Barber, Mick Moriarty. He says to me, uh, Mick, things are so bad for Irish barbers that many of them are closing on Mondays and Tuesdays now to over the cost of heating and electricity. I close now Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, I'm closed Monday and Tuesday. We always, oh, we always close Monday. That's a hairdresser's bank holiday nearly. But we open now, we close now on Tuesday and we work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. There's no point in having someone in the salon on a Tuesday, it's quite enough paying the wages, the electricity, all the heat and everything that goes with yeah. it. So uh, let's open Wednesday and be that bit busier and keep the salon going then for four days. You know? oh, okay, the very name Joe's Hair Salon and not Joe's Barber means you do quite a range of services. Do you? Oh, now, Mick, I hate, to, I hate to, to chastise you there. Now, Joe's, it's Joseph's Hair Salon and we do mostly ladies. Oh, sorry about that. I have oh, not Joe's Hair Salon. Joseph's Hair Salon. Sorry for not knowing where where you were located, but uh, I have no need of your services. Haven't you, Mick? No. <laughs> not could, we like, could we do a wash and shine or anything? <laughs> no. But you know, sometimes the girls would answer the phone, Hi, Joe, how may I help you? It's not a chipper, it's a hairdresser. So, Hi, Joseph, how may I help you today? That's oh, that, 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 that was the other school item. You, you, you know that thing that sharpens a pencil? What did you call that? Um, a topper, is it? You see, in Cove, that would have been a chipper. Oh, Jesus, no one can tell now to be a topper. Oh, no, chipper, 100%. We'd start an argument here now. Yeah. Anyway, Claire Claire O'Connor, Neil Prendable Show producer, has uh, a suggestion for your hoolie. You should call it a back to schoolie. Oh, very goody. Very goody. Let's do that then. Yeah. And you know what would be nice too, you know, if somebody could contact me with anything like the balloon maker or clown or face paint or anything like that to make the event a bit special as well you know I'd always be looking for people to you know it's very like when we did it for Easter we had something like 60 kids in my head was demented so if we had someone to kind of entertain the kids that could only do so much yeah listen I, I, I'm not in any way involved Darren, uh, Darren, I'm not in any Darren, way involved in, in the Cork person of the month but uh, perhaps Manus O'Callaghan or the powers that be should consider you for one 
uh, because you're no, doing tremendous I'm not work. Into any of that, my friend. No, none of that. It's I, it's I can do it. We have the audience that walk. Customers are just amazing. Flannery is a fabulous, and the people at Blasheen Road are just. And you know yourselves, the fact that you let me on there, and you know the, the, it gets out there, it gets out to the people. I don't want anything. I just want to be able to help people if it's possible. It's always a pleasure, I'm Joe. So Joseph's hair salon. Uh, across from Flannery's, if you have anything you can give, school school copies, bags, um, geometry sets, vouchers that might help somebody uh, with uh, a uniform. Uh, and Joe will be doing those free back-to-school haircuts to help hard-pressed families as uh, school time approaches. Joe, very best of luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mick, thanks Cheers. very much. Thanks for that. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Coming up on 9 minutes to 11, and good morning on line 1 to Maraid. Hi, Maraid. Hi, hello. Now, yes. you, you got a WhatsApp message from your daughter. Yes, yes. Um, it was supposed to be from my daughter, anyway. You thought it was. It had the same kind yeah. of sign-off with the emojis and love hearts and everything. Yeah, yeah. All that, yeah. T- tell me about it's, the text. What, what did it say, and why did it have you worried? Well, it's, it's what it says first was, um, Hi, Mum. I mean, I'm... I was kind of thinking, why would my daughter be saying that to me? Like, hi, because she normally just say mum, you know what I mean? But yeah. it just, just says, uh, it, didn't, it didn't register to me, you know? But it just said that um, my, I have a problem. My phone, um, I put my phone in my pocket of my coat and I put it into the washing machine. Now my phone is, got, is you know, say destroyed. Um, I have a new phone number here, and uh, will you save it for me? Will you save it? I thought it was, I said, I'm not saving anything. I said, I just leave it where it is. I don't know why, there must be something, something was telling me something. I do not know. If, like if her phone was out of action, how was she contacting yeah, you on WhatsApp? That's what I mean. Uh, and then she said, I have a new phone here, uh, but I, um, I only could text you on WhatsApp. I can, you can ring me or anything on it. But please um, keep the phone, um, keep keep the phone number, um, um, if, you know, just just keep the phone. And so anyway, um, then she said, I have a problem. Um, I um, I had something with the computers, uh, some computer works, and um, they they and I say, who is they? You know, I say, who are they? So she said, when she says, just the manufacturers of the computer uh, saying that I owe them um, 3700 and I need to pay it by today. Well, it must be some computer. And that's some demand. Yeah. And she said, uh, if it doesn't get paid today, uh, they will they increase the price. So I was kind of a bit due. I said, what do you mean by they will increase the price? I mean, I said, if you have a bill... You, if you have a bill, you just um, you pay just that. Why would they be increasing the price? You know, I'm, that's what I mean. I was kind of a bit dubious about it, um, but it was the way she was pleading for it. You know, she said, "Mom, please, I, I really do need this money because." Um, and I said, "When I, I said, I can't, I can't do it." You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I left my when I left my card behind by mistake, I suppose. I don't know, but. Um, then she said, what about Dad? You know, it was so convenient, you know what I mean, so believable. But then, then she got the terminology right because so, some people call Dad, Da, some people call him Pop. And yes. e- e- even to mothers, it, it could be Mom, it could be Ma'am. Yeah, 
could, it, it could be yeah. mum. Yes, mum. She said, she said, could dad, D-A-D, could, could dad help? It was so, you know, I actually thought it was my daughter. I really thought it was. I, I mean, I think I panicked, maybe, because I didn't want her to be um, owing this money and I, we would do anything for the daughter. Of course, you know? and that's the emotions that the, uh, the scammers are going to play on. Yes, that's what I mean. That's, yes, I realised that, yeah. I mean, um, I mean um, I, um, like, I just came out from physio and probably because I wasn't alert, you know? Yeah. Um, but all this kiss, kiss, and, and then it stopped them for a while. Um, um, she said... Um, so why, why didn't you try ring your daughter then to, to disprove the theory that her phone was in the washing her, machine? That's why I couldn't ring her. I couldn't ring on WhatsApp because the scanner had it there. And because there was a number, but I said, no, I won't answer that. I went on Messenger and on my phone and I was trying to get to my daughter and there was, I just left a message saying, uh, let's, um, I can't say her name, but um, I just, you know, I just said to her, look, um, what is this about this 3,700? I said, well, what's going on? And there was no, uh, she didn't come on because she was working at the time. Okay. So what I should have done really was maybe gone off to where she was working. Yes. Uh, that's gone, a... gone up and face and say, look, is that you, Les? You know, there's that you. We have perfect vision in hindsight, don't we? Yeah. But so did you send then, the money? Yeah. Three thousand mm. seven hundred euro. Yeah. Uh, how how did you send it to? A, did they give you a, a bank, bank account? A bank uh, a bank transfer. Did did you did you know that wasn't your daughter's bank? Which is kind of strange. Yeah, because I see she didn't give me she didn't give me the details of her bank. That's the part about it. She, um, what I did then, I rang up my husband and said to him, look, um, I just rang him up and said, look, uh, she's in trouble and she needs this amount of money. And he said, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> didn't, didn't think anything of it. And what I think, I got a but, but your husband isn't being scammed. He's being asked by his genuine wife, who, who, yes, who believes yes, their daughter is in trouble. Can we send this money? I mean. He's believing she's in trouble. Yes, yes. And I'm and I sure I gave him the, the number, the phone number. I'm sure I put that phone number. I'm sure I, I think I actually text that number onto him. You know, if it wasn't for the, uh, the number, um, if I just, just left it and said, look, um, I'm not going to give you that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. You you do anything for a daughter, you know what I mean, son or daughter. Um, what we're going to do, Mar- my- what we're going to do, Maraid, is we're going to come back to you after news at eleven because we have a a technical expert as well to offer you some advice, uh, and yes. we'll see if there's anything else that we can do for you. But you handed over the three thousand seven hundred, and they came back looking for more, uh, and we'll get yes. mo- we'll get more of your story after news at eleven, which is on the way next. Thanks, Maraid. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show
And a very good morning, eight minutes past eleven. This is Mick Mulcahy, Neil Prendival returning on Monday morning. Maraid, welcome back to the yes. programme. Now, we spoke to you before eleven. You were, you were having a, a, a supposed WhatsApp set of distress messages from your daughter. Of course, it wasn't your daughter. It was scammers. And you ended up handing over €3,700 to them. Uh, even yes. though you, then your other daughter warned her it might be a scam. When did you find yes. out that you ha- had inadvertently handed over three thousand seven hundred euros to the wrong person? It was when when it was when I my husband showed me the the second text looking for um, more money. They yes. came back and looked for a further three thousand four hundred. Was it? Yes. And um, he showed me the text, and he, and I nearly dropped. And it says there that um, I remember my husband on the scan. He wrote, he said, "Is this a scan?" And she said, "No." And then he just said, "Look, uh, you're not getting any more bloody money off me." Okay. And and then um, that's when I said, "No," I, I said to my husband, "I said you need to get in touch with the guards straight away." And, as a, and and the bank. Um, it normally takes it, it normally takes um, what two about one to five days. And um, got in touch with the guards. They came. They came out and um, they saw the message. Yeah, well, the guard. The guards would probably have very little ability to track them down. They're probably on what's known as a burner phone. Uh, yes. whereby they got the phone without having to sign any contract or give any ID. Uh, yes. Please tell me there was better results from the bank. The bank said that um, my husband rang the bank and uh, they said that, um, sorry, but we, um, it's, uh, we're not going to give you an reverse at all. Why not? Uh, and he said, I don't know. They just said that he, um, because it was his own doing. And... Um, the guard came back and he said to the guard, uh, the guard said, uh, he said, no. And the guard said, well, it's false. It, they, they need to reverse you. Um, so they, um, I said to my husband, you need to get in, uh, you need to ring the gu- uh, bank. You need to ring the bank up more. Uh, keep, just keep on to them till they reverse you with the, with the money. I said, it's false. I said, I say, so you're going to let it get away with it? But, Marie, you, you, you can't send a bank transfer unless you set up electronically in, yes. you know, in, yes. in, in, in your account on, on your computer. Yeah, uh, it was on the computer. But how, how was it on the computer if, if it was a scammer's bank account? I don't know. It's just the way my husband did I don't know how he did it. Oh, he did it, okay. He, he did it. I didn't do it. Right, okay. It's all on the computer, so um, you had all, they had all, uh, the guards have all the details there. Um, they um, photoshoot, photoshopped the um, my phone with all the messages in it, um, and and his one too, and then the, there was a the paperwork too. We were able to get the you know. Yeah, they screenshotted it, did they? Screenshot, yes. Yeah. They did all that. Um, I mean, I I was trying to, and then it just just put on it like span on it, and they took every, they the guards uh, just took everything. All right. So, did you get your three thousand seven hundred back? Thankfully, you no. didn't send the three thousand four hundred back. No. Oh no. 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 Okay. When when did your daughter actually find out that uh, she and her phone were inadvertently being used, uh, or Friday, her WhatsApp I, account? Yeah. Uh, to be Friday fair. Night. 
Yeah, okay. Friday night, I rang my daughter up, and I said to her, what, what's this about putting your phone into the machine, the <laughs> wash machine and all? And she said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, I, I didn't do anything. And she said to me, um, tell me all about it. And I told her, and she said, Mum, that is not me. Now, I mean, can you imagine what my daughter was like? She, she, she was so hysterical. And she was so, so hysterical. And she couldn't get a breath. I know, she, I, I, she, she I, felt I so sorry what, for you. I, I don't know what. I mean, she, she said, Mum, it's not me. She said, Dad's mad about me. You won't talk to me. And I said, Lizzie, it's not your fault. I, 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 and I can't say her name, but I keep saying her name. And I just, I just call her Margaret. And I said, it's not your fault. I said, it's just, it's just, just. <laughs> I bet I love to say, you know, horrible things on the phone, but I can't. I know. Nope. How, how how big a dent in your ability to get by for the winter now? You know, having 3,700 to send in the first place. Did they, you know, did they were lucky in a sense, the scammers, that you had that much money that you, that know, you could send. That's why me, I mean, my husband worked so hard for that money. Mm-hmm. So you it's, know, it's put I a big mean, hole in finances, has it? Y- yes, yes. It's just a big hole. I mean, you know, it, um, I I would talk about it. But my husband, he won't talk about it, you know what I mean? He's, uh, he just won't talk about it. You know, I actually thought he was going to get a heart attack out of it, actually. All right, we've got Ronan yeah. Murphy on the line, the chairman of Smart Tech uh, on line two. Good morning, Ronan, long time no see. Hey, Mick, long time no speak, hope you're well. <laughs> Very good, man. Uh, okay, you, you say a lot of this stuff is automated and they get databases to send out many texts, yeah? Yeah, a lot of it is automated. I mean, the, the, the modus operandi here is to get a foothold within people's devices. So typically people will click on a link that's come through. You'll see lots of them coming from from your bank, you know, claiming that you need to, you know, update your password or a new device is logged into your system and you need to click on a link to verify it so people get um, they kind of have a, a knee-jerk reaction to check what it is. Or else you'll see a lot of them coming from Brexit saying or on post saying you have to pay taxes because, you know, there's a package waiting from Amazon. And unfortunately, it's once people start clicking on the links, that's when these guys get a foothold in the device and that's where they can hijack your... Oh, that's how it happens. I was wondering how how would your WhatsApp be, be hijacked and someone could clone you, as it were? Yeah, the minute you click on the minute you click on the link, right? Uh, depending on what it is these guys are going after, you, that's how a lot of these influencers on Instagram and so forth get caught. But also, you know, hijacking WhatsApp and hijacking messaging apps is a pretty successful um, route to get people to transfer funds and so forth. And unfortunately, lots of people fall victim to it. You know. Yeah. Okay. You had an incident recently, and I know we're going to try and help. Uh, or in any way we can. I'm not sure what we can do. Uh, we don't start our own GoFundMes, but maybe somebody will do that for her. You had an incident re- recently with an Irish company who transferred 150 grand. Stay with us, Maraid, by the way. Okay. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've lots of them globally. Um, but this, this, this particular one was interesting because the company had transferred 150,000. Um, I got the call. I was in Washington, D.C. when the call came in and I happened to be at an event with uh, a couple of guys from the FBI. Uh, the, co- the transfer funds in this particular case was to Bank of America. Um, and 
um, sorry, there was the Bank of America, and um, luckily they knew some key people in the fraud department in Bank of America, and they managed to stop the transfer, so the funds had been successfully um, recovered. Unfortunately, it transpired that that same company had been caught two weeks earlier, and they didn't even know for another um, uh, hundred thousand, which had been had been successfully transferred. But look, I mean, to be honest, that's only small, Nick. I mean, we've we've seen examples. Um, you know, as as recent as last week, where companies have transferred over a million, and it's the money's gone. I mean, wow. every day, nonstop, unrelenting. Wow. Okay. And how can people protect against this? Stop clicking on those innocuous links. Is it? Never trust anything that comes through on your phone, whether it's a text message, whether it's a WhatsApp message, whether it's an Instagram message, any form of social media question. Everything. Don't click on anything. Just be so bloody careful what you click on because. I mean, it's full of predators. They're all, um, you know, very capable capable of extrapolating money out of you if you click on the wrong link. So you just have to be bloody careful. And you know, the, the amount and the volume of this uh, of these attacks is incredible. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, that lady, I feel terrible for her. And you know, it's very brave to come on on public radio and, and talk about what, what's, what's happened to her but this happens to thousands and thousands of people who never even you know go public on this and every day it's unrelenting because another 500 people listening to this the exact same thing has happened to you know Okay uh, and of course stopping a transfer is, it's not always easy is it if it's not stopped in the first hour or two, even though it takes timing. four or five days to get there Yeah it's timing I mean if you don't get it within the first 24 hours it's gone Yeah Okay. And look, I'll be honest with you, the banks are, are horrendously bad to deal with. The banks um, nationally, internationally, it's like they all play off the same playbook. They, um, the service of banks globally to deal with this problem is just absolutely appalling in every way, sort, shape and form. And I think it's, um, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to understand why they're so bad. I just think they're overwhelmed. I just, they don't have the ability to deal with it. Um um, and they don't want to get involved because in, in case they are liable for it, you know. So, yeah. you know, if people, people click on the link, people give the details, people transfer the money, it's kind of, you know... Um, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Yeah, but I suppose they're playing on emotions, they're playing on the vulnerable, and if you got a text and, you know, you're, you're of, a, of an elder age uh, saying that one of your children is in trouble, maybe the best thing to do is ask a pertinent question. Uh, okay, how was the wedding last Friday? Or uh, how's Johnny? Yeah, you know, it's, something it's, to prove their identity. So, so every, every time we we have a security operations centre up in Cork Airport, every single time we hire a new employee, within four hours of the employee getting their their new email address and set up on the system, they'll get an email or a text message or some form of communication from me, asking them to divulge personal details or send them money or do something. It's incredible. Really? And, and, uh, yeah, and, and you're the chairman of Smart Tech. Yeah. And every time someone starts, they'll get targeted. So what they'll do is they'll look at LinkedIn, they'll look at social media sites, they'll see that somebody has joined a new company. They'll say, oh, let's pick somebody senior in that company and let's say, let's send them a message purporting to be that person. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, every, every time they start, within, within four hours, they'll get a communication from somebody you know and these guys it's not that they're they're specifically targeting us they, they target every company so you change your your job on LinkedIn you know Mick Mulcahy goes working for CNN you know they, they'll be a message suddenly going to saying you know Mick uh, the, you know the CEO of CNN wants you to 
get your credit, send your credit card details, he's stuck, he needs a taxi. It's unbelievable. So Ted, Ted Turner, he's passed on now, I think, hasn't he? The, fa- yeah, the founder yeah, of yeah. CNN. Uh, anyway, I want to get back to Maraid. How are things going in Smartech, Ronan? Fabulous, yeah, very good. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenging environment, but it's going well. All right. All the very best to you. Sure, thanks, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, that's Ronan Murphy, Chairman of Smartech. Moraid, uh, I'm not sure we, what we can do for you, only to make an appeal that if anybody wants to help you in your, in your situation, uh, they've all heard you uh, and your emotion and your tears on air. Um, ha, ha, has things healed now uh, with, with uh, your husband and your daughter? Are, are things a little better? Yes. It was, yes, it's, it's nobody's fault. And, and, no. and, and, and the act no. of giving that you gave away the money to the wrong yes, person was an act of love. Yes. I mean, we would do anything um, if, if our son or daughter wants something, you know, we would, we would help them make in any, any way. We won't let him, let him um, say no to them. Yeah. You know, I think every parent would do, do the same. Well, Mairead, you, you've learned a very valuable lesson. Yeah. However, it's been a very costly lesson. And if anybody yeah. wants to defray that cost for you because you are genuine, then we'd be more than happy uh, to help and pass that on. We can't start a GoFundMe here, uh, but yeah. maybe maybe one of the kids or where, you know, one of the family will do that for you and be happy to, to give it a mention, maybe put it up on our social or something. Because you're, yeah. you're, you're a lovely lady. Uh, 3,700 gone. Your husband, as you say, worked so hard uh, to build yeah. all of that up. Uh, and in future, and I want to thank you as well uh, for coming on the air and being brave enough to do this because you've, you've enlightened other people now. Uh, yeah, and, and you've passed yeah. on the warning knowledge that, you know, when you get something, even if it purports to be from a close loved one, uh, always verify by asking a, a question only they could answer if it's actually them or yeah. if their phone has been cloned. Uh, I think I was a bit vulnerable that day. I, I was kind of um, not with it. I think, uh, I, you know, I just had, um, like, going for the physio and I came out, I was kind of... I was just sitting in a car park uh, when when that text came in. Um, as, as, as Ronan said, they do millions of them, and they're bound mm. to catch somebody in, in, in the yeah. end, bound to catch somebody in a vulnerable position or state of mind uh, who, who will accede to their demands and, 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 and send money across. And then the barefaced cheek, they came back mm. and asked for came further yeah. 3,400. How did they ask for that? More trouble with a computer or different troubles your daughter was having? It was, on my, it was on my husband's phone. Okay. And, and I, I just, before I go, um, I just want to say thank you to the guards in Cargoline. They were so helpful. Okay. So very helpful, you know. All right. They even gave me, they even gave me a phone number too. <laughs> if I need the helpline. Mm. It, it, it's really affected you and I'm so sorry. Uh, but let, let, let's see if there's a good Samaritan or two out there who may be able to redress the balance and, 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 and get you back to where you were financially. I, I don't know. Let's hope. Okay, thank you All right, Mairead. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's 23 minutes after 11 now. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Now, I mentioned I had a very interesting uh, email regarding credit unions. We've been looking for answers. Uh, well, the team have been looking for answers and spokespeople uh, to come on the air from uh, a credit union, from the League of Credit Unions. Well, it looks as though uh, it's an individual application for information you'll need to make at your local credit union. And I'll read out that email uh, in a few minutes. But on line two, we've got Michael, who's on the topic. Good morning, Michael. 
Good morning, Mick. How are you? Good. Now, you were looking at credit union bereavement benefits to pay for the cost of a funeral, but it seems there are huge differences between the different credit unions in terms of rates. Yeah, I tell you what, now, first of all, the normal credit union in, in Ireland, anywhere really, it's called the, the debt cover, the debt grant, okay? Okay. And, and the, actually, um, it's, we're just going on a 60-year-old, um, a 60-year-old, it's for, sorry, for 6,000, for 6,000 euros for 60-year-old is 31.72 a month, 31.61 a month. Okay. Okay. So over the year, that's three hundred and seventy-three twenty. Now, it's it's expensive to be honest with you. But anyway, so I was looking online, and there's a crowd up the country, and they're called Credit Union Plus, and they're part of the same package and everything. That's part of the Credit Union League, and they'll give you the benefit for a year for one hundred and ten euros. So there's a huge difference between each individual credit union, there then is. I imagine. Yes, but it's called Credit Union Plus. And, and what they do is that for the first six months, they won't cover you, which is fair enough. You know, it's your only a couple of months to live, God forbid. Um, but the credit unions, then, you have to wait 10 years, or sorry, you have to wait two years before they'll cover you. Okay. So if, you in, if you dive in the first two years, they'll give you money back. Um, but if you dive in accident, they'll pay you. Um, but the credit union plus, then you only wait six months. Okay. The only, thing, the only thing about the credit union plus is that they're up in Navin and they phoned and asked and they said that uh, you have to be in, live in the area or work in the area to to um, to avail of that you know, to, to avail of that so yeah um, credit unions they, serve the people of their local area oh they do well they used in there the, the more like banks so than credit unions to be honest with you but anyway um, I just sort of make people aware of it that um, I mean 263 euros is a lot of money over there I mean you could tax your car and um, say a bit of fuel in the car for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, now we, we were looking for some some uh, direct information on this, uh, but it's because all the individual credit unions kind of stand alone are their own entities. Uh, so yes. we, we contacted both local credit unions, uh, and we've great friends in credit unions uh, on this program, and the Irish League of Credit Unions as well, who'd be kind of the controlling body, I, we, I suppose, or we we assumed uh, to be told that each credit union is its own entity and therefore acts independently. So for any of the issues we're raising today, uh, you will get the information directly over the counter by talking to a manager uh, at your own local credit union. Uh, but yeah. what, what you pointed out, Michael, is that there are huge differences in areas, in offers, in stays before your cover is on, six months versus two years is quite a lot. Yes, it is. But the thing is that credit unions are supposed to be for the people. I mean, um, they were supposed to be for the, you know, for the people. That's gone. That's that's totally gone. And the fact of the matter is that uh, they were supposed to be a non-profit organisation. Well, you know, in, in theory. Now, I mean, um, to go from 360 to 110 is a lot of money. And wouldn't the scope of that, like, how would you put this out here? Let's say it was uh, insurance A was given the insurance. Insurance A is probably given the, the normal credit unions the same benefit anyway, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. And they're just putting the credit union in a, a vast profit off it. But the credit unions do seem to offer more of this type of personal thing than the, than the banks do. For instance, like, and I know it's, it's I, I need to define this myself, uh, if you die with a credit union loan, uh, does yeah. that loan die with you? That's a common, it's either a fact or a myth. Find out in your local credit union. 
Yeah, that used well. It used to be. I'm not too sure now. Ireland, they 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 they'll cover up to a certain degree. That that's all. They they won't go over a certain degree. Um, and then there was a time then that if you got, you know, if you died and if you had money in at the time, if you were under a certain age, that they give you they double the money. Yeah. Or if you were if you were over a certain age, then they give you fifty percent of the money. But I think that's gone as well. Right. So, okay. I mean, so yeah, I, I, mean, I guess it's down to each individual credit union's charter. Uh, into what they offer people, and I'm sure many of them will have leaflets on this, won't they? Well, they have, yes, but the thing is that, like, what happened to the people? What, what, what happened to looking out for people? I mean, they're just, they're just making an off, lot of money off it, and personally, I think 30 euros a month for 6,000 euros is a lot of money anyway. Would you be better off having that, uh, saving up that 30 euros a month, and living, living 20 you, years and having your, uh, you, you your would, six you grand in, in, all your own? Yeah, exactly, yeah, and and then if something happened in the meantime, at least you look, you'd have a lump of money to help you if there was something that happened, you know? Yeah. You know, the way things go, that you'd have some money, but this 360 is crazy money. 360 is crazy money compared to 110. Yeah, that's a huge difference, okay. So we advise everyone to go look at the Credit Union Bereavement Benefits. Uh, find out if your loan dies with you if you pass on uh, and find yeah. out maybe the huge differences there may be one or two credit unions in your area uh, that you can pitch against each other other value wise uh, and see which one offers the better deal for you but you know something like, to be honest with you it's, it's, like the, it's like the few now everyone all the petrol stations all have different amounts and they're, they're, not, cha- they're not changing they're not changing it I mean like they're supposed to be giving you the best, the best deal for credit union members. I mean, and this uh, credit union plus of the country, I mean, that should be set, ac- that should be set across the whole credit union, um, you know, branches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're supposed to be there for the people. It was, it, it was the people starting them off. Now, all they're interested now is, is making money. All right. Um, and, and a lot of people will tell you that anyway. I, I want to get to the, the, the letter that uh, made me inquire to some credit unions or made the team... Uh, ring the uh, Irish League of Credit Unions and various local credit unions. Uh, no, nobody would come on really because they're all. Uh, the, the letter doesn't apply to them, uh, and they all have their own set of offers. So uh, let, let me just read the predicament of this particular listener. Thanks, Michael. Okay. No Thanks. Problem. Cheers. Bye bye. Dear Mick, both me and my wife, married in 1964, joined our local credit union shortly after it was established in our town. Our book numbers are in the low hundreds, as we were very very early members. Over the many years since then, we've continued to save, admittedly small amounts, but on a monthly basis. Four years ago, my wife was diagnosed with early dementia, which has since progressed, as was pointed out to me by her doctors at the time. I now had to make plans for the immediate future, and one of the first places I visited was our local credit union and asked to speak to a senior official. I asked that official if our situation was to change drastically, would I have access to my wife's money? and was surprised to be told no. And if my wife were to pass on, I was informed I would be required to hire a solicitor to engage with them to access what was essentially our money. This upset me, as the expense of a legal man was at least going to cost a fair amount of our savings. I pondered the situation for a few weeks and devised a plan. I went back and asked if I or my wife passed away, and a funeral director was to present a funeral bill on the surviving spouse's behalf, Uh, if the bill would be settled? And the answer I received was yes, but only directly to the funeral director. Many years later, I'd sold a boat to one of the local undertakers and had remained friendly with him over the years, 
I approached him and inquired about the cost of an average funeral. And with this information, I visited once again the credit union with my wife. On presenting the books to the assistant behind the counter uh, and asked... Uh, on presenting the books to the assistant behind the counter, I asked to reduce the amount in each book to that amount the funeral man gave me. She was a little taken aback as I was a regular visitor there and asked if everything was all right. And I briefly explained my predicament and what the senior uh, manager of the credit union had told me. She informed us there was no need as she could produce two forms straight from under the desk for each of us to sign, giving each of us the power of attorney to have access to each other's account. She produced the forms there and then and we each signed. The senior official omitted to inform me of this option. As the credit union on the bank where we have a joint account and a savings account don't pay any dividend, I reduced the amount to uh, what I asked for anyway. We kept that amount that would cover the funeral expenses to benefit from the insurance available at this particular credit union. We lodged the amount withdrawn to our savings account and we now put a small amount into our credit union books, not purely as a saving, but to try to keep up with the huge and rising cost of inflation. What happens to the money of a single person maybe living on his own with no relatives? When that person dies, is the credit union carrying out a scam? There are many questions and no answers. Best wishes and enjoy the program from AP. Now, uh, once again, go to the credit union uh, if you uh, are a member of one uh, and find out and get the leaflets and the flyers and what exactly is available uh, in bereavement benefits, in insurance, in funeral costs and all that kind of thing. But uh, the one thing is for sure, having contacted both local credit unions and the Irish League of Credit Unions, and let's be fair, they offer a very, very valuable service uh, in uh, in each and every community in which they operate. They've told us each credit union is its own entity and de- uh, therefore acts independently. Now then, let's take uh, Kerry O'Neill of his, uh, Fitzpatrick's in Glanthorne on a different topic on line three. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning. Uh, congratulations on the uh, expansion. It's a place I stop in all the time to pick up the old uh, apple crumble and that uh, oh, on, uh, on the way to visit my own parents. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it, if anyone hasn't been to Fitzpatrick's in Glanthorne, uh, it's quite different from any other shopping experience you'll see. Uh, will I let you describe it or will I try? Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's open, it's bright, it smells of a bakery. Uh, there's a deli, there is uh, the most sumptuous freshly baked cakes. And, and I'm not being cruel here, it looked like literally a cash printing machine for you. <laughs> Would that be I, fair? I, I, wish, I, wish, I wish I could say that. <laughs> there's a lot of work gone into this, and there's a there's a very big loan was taken to do it. But um, yeah, we start we started this in January um, 2020, just before COVID hit. Uh, we knocked the bar next door to us, um, and I suppose this had been in the pipeline for a couple of years. It was kind of a, a vision of ours to bring it um, and really to kind of develop, you know, a destination food store in Cork. So that's what we set out to do. Um, COVID interfered with that a little bit and, and set us back time-wise but yeah we we really have only finished um, at the start of the summer um, which has been a you know a long project obviously um, but yeah we're, we're really chuffed and, and we get great feedback from people. Now just personally I was going to pull in to buy the uh, aforementioned apple crumbled uh, about a week 10 days ago uh, and I, I just couldn't pull in there was roadworks going on and uh, traffic being missed or not traffic being directed on a contraflow, shall we say. Uh, and it was just, it was a little dangerous to pull in and I didn't see the opportunity. But I saw they were putting in some footpath works or some cycle lane works or something. Uh, and I just wondered what was going on. 
Yeah, so I suppose um, this plan for the cycleway um, has been going on. It has been in the pipeline since 2019. We had actually already gotten our planning permission from Cork County Council. So, um, and, and with that planning permission, we actually had to put in a, ca- a car park layout, even though the car park wasn't owned by ourselves. But um, basically, there's been funding has come for this cycleway, which is going connecting everything from the city, Glanmire, Glenthorn, Carrick Tool. Um, this is the plan. Um, back when it was put out first of all we did actually go into the county council with a number of business owners here because all of us and, and there's no exception to that felt that this cycleway was on the wrong side um, of the road because there's 31 exits on this side of the road between like kind of Brewery's Bridge and um, the Elm Tree um, as opposed to uh, eight on the other side which d- does include the busy little island junction which I, I, I do admit um, but also the other thing is um, long term you know we, we all kind of felt that it would have been lovely there's, there's lots of areas along in conjunction with the railway where a, a cycle path could have really been made a feature of um, but the responses that we got at the time were like look we have the funding now we have to spend the money now um, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, pretty much, was my take on it. It's, this is going in. So we knew it was going to be going in, and we knew this before we started our project, but the, the consensus at the time was very much, Mick, that like, they would come back and deal with each segment as they were going and deal with local residents whose houses, entrances were being affected, deal with local businesses like ourselves, um, but that consultation really hasn't been happening um, and the man I dealt with initially in the county council moved on to another position as so often happens um, you know when something's going on for a number of years um, and then in January of this like we knew that we would lose parking when this came out first day ever because look our car park as many will know is a little bit chaotic it's but people were very familiar yeah, yeah it's, hectic. It's, it's hectic but there was always a kind of a unwritten motorist yeah. rule you pull in at an angle, you leave yourself enough room to back out, uh, and you take care with, with the traffic coming down yeah, from, from the church. Yeah, and very mindful of it, actually. So, yeah. And like at any stage, actually, when people parked like that, we would have fit, fitted 22 cars across the front of the shop, basically. Um, and then we'd also be able to have a loading van and stuff like that on the in, inside, kind of just outside the, the shop door. Um, these spaces were going to be reduced originally to 14, and then it went to 12, um, and then in January of this year the new person running it landed a drawing in front of me with nine car parking spaces saying that well they had only just they had now measured it properly I love that they had now measured it properly and come back and they could only really fit nine um, now I put in a planning application which had to go back twice because and every inch of this building had to be measured and that's no understatement um, so how you know this uh, pl- project could be submitted to the county council and it, the part eight submission was granted but it wasn't measured properly is beyond me but look long story short when they came to me obviously I was a little bit up in arms as you can imagine mm-hmm. um We've just spent, like, you know, all in, this project has come in at 3.1 million. Um, I, I was going to say a million plus, really? Yeah, 3.1. Oh, my God. So, yeah, which, um, you know, the bulk of that has been financed, um, you know, and uh, so we, you know, I was very much protective of the area outside. I, we're the only shop in Glenthorn. There's huge housing development coming down the line here. But people have um, to pull in to use the services mostly, don't they? 
Yeah, 100%. Um, now, they can go across the road, or is that going to be changed too? But then you're... Well, their, their plan is to put a two-metre footpath across the road and then regularise the parking as well, which, you know, for me is just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's another thing that's... It's restricting people coming in now is what it's doing. And, like, there was a few things that we had asked for initially just to make things easier more than anything because we just felt like, look, this is new for people. Change is always you know, uh, difficult for people. But we wanted to make this change as easy as possible. So, for example, one of the main things I asked for was this cycleway is four metres wide. That's the width of it for the bulk of this project. They've reduced the laneways for the cars, the carriageway, to three metres. So this cycleway now is a metre bigger than the car um, carriageway. And I asked for it to be pinched to three metres, which is a loss of a metre, just between the entry and the exit of the car park, which would just allow a little bit more room for manoeuvring in the car park. Yeah, there's been a number of incidents in the car park over the last few weeks. You've detailed them to to the team here. A woman couldn't make the swing when entering the car park at the temporary layout. There was a van parked. She hit the back of the van dented and broke the lights at the back of the vehicle. A man turned right into the new entrance, which is very difficult to see. It's four metres deep and looks the same as the cycleway. Hit the power box on the cycleway, damaged his car. A teenager locally cycling down the path at speed had a near miss by the entrance when one car was entering and exiting. And just yesterday, a lady again entered incorrectly and hit the power box. I'm awaiting her email, but said there's approximately €2,000 worth of damage. 1750 She sent the email to me well, last night. Uh, yeah. How much have your sales been uh, affected My by the... My sales for the last month have dropped 60,000. In a month? In a month. Will this affect your ability to employ? I employ 75 staff here at the moment. They, you know, I, I am supporting the livelihoods of 75 staff, plus our own, obviously. Um, I, I just, I'm, I, I don't know at this point. I, I, I don't know because I'm, to be honest with you, Mick, I'm going back and I'm asking for this meter to be taken again. I'm asking for a few things to be done. I'm asking for the, the layout across the road to be reviewed. Everything they're giving us is based on a car. We don't have just cars coming here. We have vans, we have trucks, we have local tractors that pull in across the road, lorries. None of this scheme, and I just don't know how the site, like, it is great to have this amenity. I live locally, okay, and I see people in the evening that will have a walk on it, but my dad was big into cycling. He would never cycle on this, as I, as I have met numerous cyclists that have come in here, and they will still now cycle on the main road. And at this point, because it's been reduced to three metres, you can't now overtake them. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know that. I, I think it's called the cycleway, but I know that uh, particular development in Dungarvan has been the redemption of the town, tourist-wise and that. Um, yeah. So where, where do you go from here? You, you just have to roll with the punches, or, or can you, do you think you can get this changed? Roll with the punches? I, I am hoping that... Like, I paid fifth, over €50,000 in contributions to the council when I put in my planning application. Fifty, 50 grand. 52000 Part of that's a special contribution because I'm near the train station. Which is which is the reason they're putting in this cycleway, and like I pay rates, I pay so, you know high rates. I'm going to say. Can I imagine so, the size of the shop? I I I am really hoping that the council are going to come back, see what's been going on here, see the incidents, and actually fix this layout because at the moment 
you know, even what I had, I, I actually barricaded the area they were supposed to start. I'm like, this is how bad things were. I landed a solicitor's letter to threaten an injunction at some point. It, you know, they're just not working with me. And I just feel like, you know what, local businesses have had a really bloody hard two years with COVID. Then we've had staffing issues. Now we have the energy costs. Like, I know that was a topic of discussion. Uh-huh. Like, our energy bills are gone, gone from 6000 a month to 14 and a half. What? This month in June. Oh, wow. Because we locked in our prices last April. I don't know why I did that, but I did that at the time. And But that's what they've jumped. Who's paying for that? Yeah, you know? I understand. A couple of texts coming your way. Uh, Mick, I saw a car coming out of Fitzpatrick's and driving down the cycle path two weeks ago. Uh, completely the wrong colour. Uh, uh, it's a fabulous shop, but so very difficult to park and very dangerous to pull in. I feel sorry for the businesses. No thought at all gone into this. Yeah, yeah. So, honestly, Mick, the more people that will, you know, uh, we, we've been asked by, lo- by local people here, by, by customers, do you have a petition you want me to sign? Is there anything we can do? Because, like, people love coming to us. Um, and, look, we've worked really hard to create this beautiful food store that we really want people to be able to visit. And I don't want to be known as the lovely shop in Cork that nobody goes to because they can't get in and out of the car park. Exactly. You Yesterday, know? says a texter, I witnessed an elderly lady pull out of Fitzpatrick's and turning left to head to Carrick Tool. The lady was driving along the new tarmac footpath, thinking it was the road. A man yeah. in a van had to shout at her. This sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It is ridiculous. It is. And that's what's happening. And part of the reason I asked for it to be reduced a bit is because at least then if cyclists are on it, they realise, OK, this is narrowing. I need to slow down. What's going on here? At the moment, it's bigger than the, than, than the carriageway. And it, it's, it's, it's a fast road, Kerry. What about traffic calming measures either side? Would the locals well, go for that? to be honest with you, because they've reduced it to three metres, it has slowed the traffic okay. anyway. So like that's that's you know that's a positive thing around it, but this the cycleway size is just particularly outside the businesses. Um, it, it's just really 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 challenging. So as I say, we are open, and but I even had someone this morning that has driven in the wrong way because they can't see the signage to say exit only. And when I asked for signs to be put up, they put up something temporary while the roadworks were going on. But I've been told there'd be no permanent signs. I also, you know, there's been loads of things like that going on and I don't understand why they're not playing ball. We're local people, we're employing local Cork people and I can't understand why Cork County Council aren't supporting us. Maybe it's going to take the loss of life or limb. You know what, uh, the, 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 the main like, project manager essentially that I'm dealing with, I just said to him, I am dealing with these people now every day that are coming to me about issues, about hitting cars, about nearly having a mis-accident. That's not my job. You know, I, I know. have enough to do here. I'm trying to mind my team. I'm trying to mind my business with what's going on. It's, it's a and wonderful, it's, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to shop. I haven't seen cakes as sumptuous since the the famous pastry shop in Cove about fifty years ago. Uh, let, let, let me allow you to give yourself a plug and and to appeal for support. Yeah, well, look, as I say, anybody, we, we are here, we're open, we're baking fresh. We just, you know, we really want to let people know we're, we're trying our best to fix this because people think we've done this design ourselves. That's the other thing. Um, but anybody who knows me or my family will know we're not in the habit of doing things half excuse my, my, you know, in a half measure way. Uh, we do things, we do them right. We do the finish right. And um, we really want Cork County Council to change this layout outside the front and make it easier for our customers. We have a lot of elderly customers in the locality coming down to us. I have a woman stop me last week to say she's afraid to come to the shop now that she won't come down with her car. Let's see if change can be enacted before somebody gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on, on the quality. Let's hope you can get the footfall back in the parking safe, Gary. 
Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Cheers. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. And a very good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. Final call after that very, what I would have called a reasonable argument from Kerry uh, to see some sense prevail. Uh, our final call is also about parking and it comes from Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Hello, Mick. How are you? I'm good, and you? Did you go to I Elton John? Uh, I did, yeah. But I'm afraid my little problem was very small compared to those people that preceded me. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem really was um, we'd booked the car park and... Um, uh, the City Hall car park and um, took us about a half an hour to get from the overpass there as far as it and uh, they on the display there the uh, electronic display sign they just said 106 spaces uh, still available you know mm-hmm. and um, no, we ended up li- we literally with two lanes of traffic and uh, we, c- we couldn't even get it you know it was difficult to get into the, the uh, lane that was going into the car park but anyway, my sister-in-law eventually got out and uh, she met um, a guy coming out who actually had booked as well. And he said there was no space whatsoever inside there, you know? Yes. Well, okay. And there was no, like, the thing about it, the traffic was chaotic because... Well, it's Friday no evening gather. rush hour, isn't it? Well, you see, it was only the car park that was causing the problem. There was no <laughs> guard around just to, to find out what was going on there, you know? So you, you you were going to take what was advertised as a very easy option. You book your space in the queue park at City Hall. You walk across the bridge oh, to Connolly Hall. Yeah, it's what and you then, mean, you, yeah. then you get the bus that was supposed to turn up every five minutes. Yeah, which didn't turn up either. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the problem, really. But um, it was just so annoying. It just, being honest about it, there was no other problem in any other part of the city once we left it and we realised what was happening. We just kept going and we went straight into. Um, uh, the Tesco on Paul Street car park. Okay, that's a and, much longer uh, walk. I know, there was a fair amount of walking, no, because... Um, even an 82-year-old in the group. We had, yeah. <laughs> He's better than myself, I'm afraid of walking. But anyway, <laughs> we eventually got... Well, we were half an hour late with all... The, and waiting, then there was a friend who had tried to get into the car park. Although she hadn't booked until she actually passed down the information to us. But she spent another three quarters of an hour standing at that bus stop waiting. Yeah, that's and, supposed um, to be every five minutes, those buses, and oh, it just didn't no, happen. There were no buses, obviously, leaving from there, which we didn't realise. There was a huge queue there. Yeah, the and of course, El- Elton was coming on at 8 o'clock or just after with no support. We, yeah, we were happy by the time we got there in the end. But anyway, it was basically the car park. I just wanted to, okay. you know, and Appreciate um, that. I don't did think you get any, book a car park again. Did you get any response uh, about booking something well, that wasn't there when you got there? Well, we, no, because the guy at that stage... The guy that was actually at the barrier had left. There was nobody there. Okay, let let, let me let me He's give gone. you <laughs> let me give you a response uh, that we got from Q Park. Thanks for your email uh, because our team contacted them. Our statement on this is as follows: uh, We're truly sorry to hear that this customer's experience has fallen short of our normal standards. Normally, large-scale events in Cork do provide a large volume of vehicles looking for parking, and we are able to accommodate those who have pre-booked online as well as those who turn up on the day. For example, the Ed Sheeran concerts recently meant all four of our facilities in Cork were full, but there were no issues at all. Unfortunately, on the evening of Elton John, a large number of customers turned up on the day, which we cannot predict. Then why do you sell tickets? 
Um, well, this is the thing. Like, if you can't... Uh, let, let, sorry, let, let me just finish. The, better finish the statement oh, yeah, since sorry, I started. Yeah. Which we cannot predict and can therefore cause congestion on the roads outside the car park. Any customers such as your caller who were affected have been refunded. If this is not the case for them, we will need to con- uh, they will need to contact us and they, we will resolve it for them. And if there's anything else uh, you need, please let us know. And that's from a sales and marketing executive in Q Park. So they will refund you, uh, but that won't refund the time you missed uh, well, at the I mean, concert. Well, I mean, the refund is neither here nor there because of the fact you were just yeah. stuck there and you, you didn't get what you were. I know. All right, Eileen, well, listen, th- thanks for the call. Thank you. Appreciate thanks it. For Cheers. Thanks, thanks very much. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Uh, and bye, just, bye. just to finish up uh, with a statement from, uh, or just to... Uh, a piece about the buses. Concert promo- uh, promoter Aiken Promotions has apologised for any inconvenience caused by a miscommunication about bus ser- services to Elton John's concert at Parky Kiev. Fans were left disappointed as some waited almost an hour for a bus at Laps Quay. Uh, there was confusion about an enhanced bus air and service, which Aiken Promotions says would be running directly from Laps Quay to Monaghan Road adjacent to Parky Kiev. Earlier in the week, promoters said the service would be running from Laps Quay every 10 minutes. Uh, we were told five minutes, between 5pm and 8.30pm. And uh, concert goers yesterday evening said they'd been waiting between 45 and 55 minutes at Laps Key for the bus service. That never actually happened. OK, good morning to you. The uh, Neil Prendival programme this morning, uh, Neil Prendival show, was produced by Seamus Wheelahan, Kevin Galvin and by Clara Connor. We're back directly tomorrow morning after the nine o'clock news. I suppose I shouldn't have went up to any of those waiting for one of those buses and started singing, I'm still standing. This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.